Hello there. You are listening to the Quarter to Three Movie Podcast for Maps to the Stars. My name is Tom Chick, and I am here to discuss Maps to the Stars with Christian Mokransky. Uh, I prefer you call me Mr. Klitrosky. And uh, with a Maps to the Stars tagline, maybe two of them, maybe three of them, Kelly Wand. It's like Cosmopolis, except in this one, Robert Pattinson's in a limo. Very nice. I like that one, Kelly Wan. Do we need more? I feel like that was a great one. David Cronenberg's Entourage. I like that one, too. Actually, I bet Dingus appreciates that one. Dingus watches a lot of You've never liked three in a row, so this is a... I at least understand that one. (laughs) You didn't get the Cosmopolis one? I've never seen Cosmopolis. Well, I haven't either. I just saw. The, I'm assuming the whole thing's in a limo, just from that's the scene. Never mind. Uh, the, Tom, this is the bronze of the silver. L.A. is short for Lannisters. Um. Oh, you know. Okay, it takes a little bit of effort it's to sort of parse that one. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, I like yeah it. You know, I, I'll, I'll sign on for that one. I like that one. Yeah. Right. You actually made me like the movie a smidge more. Thank you, Kelly Wand. You just oh. that's you just had a trifecta of taglines, a hat trick. I think. <laughs> the baseball term for that strike. I can only go so far with strike force. Out. You should have heard me. Now, Kelly, there's your streak. And Dingus were recently <laughs> trying to uh, guess what there, – there might have been some sporting event or something, and we were trying to uh, guess if it was that big fight in Las Vegas between, I don't even know, Manny Pacquiao and Floyd Mayweather. Uh, Manny Pacquiao and Floyd Mayweather, very good. Yeah, see? So I know a lot about sports. There's a I bunch can't. of flags that keep appearing in our neighborhood, like tricolor flags and cars festooned with the same three colors. And I was asking, what is going on with that? And Tom said, well, maybe it's that Are fight. We and, and I said, uh, fight. He goes, you know, the one with uh, – and he, he named a couple of fighters from the 80s. Floyd Merriweather <laughs> and, and Jason Bachman. What was the other one? It was so awesome. Well, who's going to check his work? Not you and not me. No, I, but I know who Manny Pacquiao and Mayweather are. But Manny Pacquiao. Oh, of course. I do too, then. They're huge in the boxing world. But anyway, at least Tom uncovered that it might be a fight, and I didn't even know there was a fight going on. So Tom wins that round, I think. He uncovered from seeing the, the flags. Yeah, that's that's enough sports talk, though. That's, really, that's as far as I can go with sports talk. Yeah, yeah, now, yeah, I, I'm out of things to say officially. We're not here to talk about something that's about a certain shop talk kind of thing. Let's talk about synopses on IMDb. Kelly Wan, do you have one for us? Yeah, I don't know if you've seen this movie. Um, tell me if you know what it is. Okay. Matt Hobbs is a talented but unsuccessful actor. When estranged and strange, ex-wife Beth dumps their daughter, Jeannie, on Matt. Father and daughter have a lot of adjusting to do. His budding relationship with attractive production assistant Kathy Breslow is made complicated, Jeez. while the precocious child is overly accustomed to getting her own way. If only there's a shorter way to... Matt eventually faces the choice of family versus career in a particularly difficult way. Yeah, I don't think that's I know a, this. Yeah. I think I that's... Doesn't spoil the ending. I think that's Magnolia. Oh, really? I'm the only one who saw All Do Anything, the musical, James L. Brooks, Albert Brooks, and then they took all the songs out, and it was like Hollywood movie, Nick Nolte. What's no? it called? Come on. I'll, I'll Do Anything? I'll Do Anything. He's like an actor. Incidentally, you know, isn't that the name of the Nick, Nolte, 
the Nick Nolte segment in um, what's that New York anthology? New York stories. New York, yes, New York stories. Remember, there's that. No, wait. That's that life called, with Zoe. Is that life? Right. No, that's the second one. Oh. The Nick Nolte one where he's dating Patricia Arquette and she dares him to do various right. things and yeah. Uh, all right, Kelly one, that's good. You stumped us. You she you says C minus muse. It's got a different title, like Paradise Undisturbed or something, like a two-word title. Because <laughs> everything in the 90s would have two words in it after Pretty Woman. Did you know that? It was the two-word rule. Uh, I'm trying to think of Die Hard. Is that the 90s? No, that's the 80s. Uh, what yeah. other movies from the 90s? Um, Home Alone. Two words, very good. Keep going. It's just three. At two um, words, very good. Actually, a word and a number. <laughs> Good Wait, fellas. you didn't see I'll do anything? Good fellas, very don't... good dingus, very good. Yep. It's true. Casino, Empire Strikes Back, episode five. Wait, um, you didn't see I'll do anything with Nick Nolte? I've never I even really heard of it, I, I think, yeah. Julie Kavner, Albert Brooks, never mind. I, 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 can, I, can, remember, I can remember the poster now that you say it, but good lord, I did not see that thing. So, Kelly, one out of curiosity, how did you happen across the synopsis for I'll do anything this week? I was thinking of Hollywood movies that were that annoyed me, like ah. annoying Hollywood. Movies. Well, that was on like that note, Dingus, why don't you tell folks what we what we actually saw this week? All right. Well, this week we saw Maps to the Stars, huh? a 2014 satirical drama whatever movie about a bunch of people who deserve each other. It was directed by David Cronenberg and written by Bruce Wagner. Oh. It stars Sarah. <laughs> it stars Wait, who's he? Oh. Well, fine, I'll, do, I'll have a thing or two to say about that in a minute. Okay, go ahead, Dingus. Sorry. He's got a thing or two to say about a thing or two. Oh, uh, it, right? It stars Sarah Gadon, uh, Olivia Williams, Robert Pattinson, and <laughs> Carrie Fisher. Uh, back up, Dingus. Uh-huh. The first name you said, how do you say her name? And is that right? Or did you just, are you, are you just sort of uh, fumbling with her last name? I'm fumbling. Uh, I, I'm saying Sarah. I mean, I like her. I like. I mean, yeah, I do too. We know her from Enemy, great. by the way. Yeah, yeah, because we know her from Enemy. Um, but you think it's Gadun? It's just like something like that. Like you're, you're making it sound like a clunky, uh, some clunky element of a machine or something. Like, yes, I am saying. Like you got to replace the Gadun after a while. I'm saying Gadun, um, but yeah, it is like you have to replace the Gadun. I guess. I, I guess you could say Gadun. Well, she's an elegant. Uh, she's a very elegant lady. I would. I would expect to be like Gadon or something like that. Like yeah, I, Gadon. I, would... I, I like that. I like that. I like the way that you swallow at the end. Okay. Gadon. Gadon's German for uh, Saturn. I almost believe you, Kelly Wand. Uh, you tested me on science, chick. You want a piece of this? <laughs> All right. You've cowed. You've sufficiently cowed me. I'm backing down. It's just sports. All right. Condone. Condone. All right. And Wait. So you're not what talking about me. Okay. Well, what is this rated, by the way? Maps to the Stars is rated R mm. for strong, disturbing violence and sexual content. Now, the thing is, they didn't use an Oxford comma, so it's strong, disturbing violence and sexual content. So that means it's strong, disturbing violence and strong, disturbing sexual content. Wait, what? what? Uh, so it's both of those uh, things. Uh, it also has graphic nudity, which I think we all saw. And language, also some drug material. Drug material. All right. Yep. Oh, drug you mean like rolling papers? 
Nope, I think I mean pills. <laughs> Wait, but the kids take vitamins, so how is that an R-rated? Oh, it's something golly. in a bottle that... What? Drug material. Yeah. Drug material? Uh, Drug Maps to the Stars on Metacritic has a rating of 67. That's the average uh, rating from various reviews. On Rotten Tomatoes, the percentage of reviews for Maps to the Stars that are positive is at uh, 62 uh, Maps to the Stars had a very limited theatrical release. It's, uh, I think it's mainly a video-on-demand movie, so it, does, it has a negligible box office, so no point bringing that up. Kelly Wand, I am dying for you to uh, take over where Bruce Wagner left off. Uh, why don't you take a stab at telling this story? When you say Bruce Wagner, it just makes me think of Jack Wagner. Who's Jack Wagner? Or Bruce Jenner. He was a soap opera actor who had He's a, on, yeah, G.H. Yeah, was on Melrose Place. Oh, at the Walklear. Who's General the guy? Hospital. Oh, oh, I want to say Jack Warden. Isn't there an actor named Jack Warden? Yeah. He was in like Kevin Kid Wait with Warren Yeah. 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 I, I, I don't know who Jack Warden is. Uh, isn't, uh, what is the $6 million man's name? Lee Major, or Steve oh. Austin. No, isn't there a Wagner? Oh, what's his boss's name? Oscar Goldman. It's Lindsay Wagner, isn't he? His wife. Oh, that's right. I knew that's there was a bionic connection. connection. Thank you, Davis. Yeah. <laughs> I knew and there Lyle was Wagner was a bionic connection. I was going to get this song. somewhere. <laughs> Wait, Tom, Robert Wagner's Heart to Heart, and oh, um, Lyle also. Wagner's Wonder Woman. Okay. There's a lot of Wagners. Oh, Lyle Wagner. Yeah, there is. Yeah, yeah. But that's Wagoneer. But he was, Lyle Wagner. Right, not Wagner. Wagner. Yeah. Oh, my God. We're all, we're all in our 40s, in case you can't tell, listeners, by the way. They'll dated ourselves with those references. Um, well, no, we're saying everybody had the same name back when we were kids, so right. the young people did go, oh, well, thank God we weren't. Well, it's just a, there's a lot well, of Wagners I... taking up space in our in our sort of a distant memory in, in that part of our brain, so it can get. Yeah, Wagner was a popular. It was a trendy last name in the 70s. Uh, but Kelly, one, I want a synopsis from you, and then I want to talk <laughs> about Bruce Wagner. Kelly, one, what would you call a synopsis of Maps to the Stars? Maps to the Stopsis. Awesome, Kelly, Wand. Give us the maps to the stops. It's rock and roll. I only consider four or five of these to be any good, and this is not one of them. But here we go. Okay. Maps to the stops. The chick who discovered Hong Kong and Alice in Wonderland gets into a limo. <laughs> strong opening, Kelly Wand. I mean, obscure, but strong. <laughs> By the end, you'll be so relieved it's over. Obscure, but She's strong. got gloves on. Yeah, that's on his resume. Wait, it's obscure but strong because she discovered Hong Kong. Oh, I see. Well, it's a reference it's to our Alice, our Alice in Wonderland podcast. I mean, we all three of us were there. I don't know if all the listeners were, but it's it's a very nice callback, Kelly Wand. It, Kelly Wand, if there's one thing you can do, it's a callback. Yeah. It's all I can do. It's Often my crutch. It's a callback over like five years, but it's still a callback, and it qualifies, yeah. It's like the script for the movie. See how I try and dovetail? You wouldn't know that term. The chick who discovered Hong Kong and Alice Wonderland gets into a limo. She's got gloves on and her hair straight, which are both metaphors for pyromania. To the driver, she's all, I followed Harrison Ford on Twitter once, but now I only follow Dwayne Johnson. Robert Pattinson's the driver. He's all, I'm sorry. I was in Twilight with uh, Taylor Lautner. He played a cross-eyed werewolf. She's all, I'm sorry. Meanwhile, in a hospital, a sick kid's all, who are you again? The young male celebrity boy sitting on her bed's all, uh, I was on the Justin Bieber roast. She's all, as who? He's all, Justin Bieber. 
Oh, the actor? Gosh, I've been a fan of your work ever since Douchey Kid Visits Dying Girl in Hospital 2, A Girl Dying of Something Else. <laughs> I always tell people to skip the first one in both halves of the ninth. Yeah, well, number nine's underrated. Fuck you. She's all, I just prefer Cronenberg's earlier, funnier ones. Yeah, Cronenberg. By the way, that head exploding in scanners, totally faked. Shut up. He's all, Michael Ironside wasn't actually telekinetics. So they had to tape a bunch of dynamite to the back of a guy's head. If you still pause, you can just make out the fuse and his resignation. It's the golden age of Hollywood, the mid-80s, or in this case, Toronto. Gary, give her an iPod, will you? Fuck this place. Hospitals give me the creeps. She's all, no, I meant shut up, literally. Will you marry me? Yeah, sure. Wait, how long you got to live again? Oh, I'm not a patient here. Just a nurse on break. Although I am dying. Today's my last day, actually. I'm glad you came, although my first choice was Taylor Swift getting interrupted by Kanye West. Outside, the kid's all... Ugh, that dying chick wants to marry me? What a loser. Fucking kids today. No ambition ever, huh? Boom. Just invented a new acronym. Noah. Snap. I'm the next Charlie Sheen. The agent's all. Uh, actually, sir, uh, ever starts with an E, so I'd make the acronym NOA, which should make sense if we were at war with Canada, but... Oh, yeah? You don't know what else starts with E? Shut the fuck up. Try and come up with an acronym for that, bitch. Sorry to all the five-year-olds listening. Our demographic. John Cusack's rich and famous from saying words on TV and during massages. He's the douchey kid's dad, but Juliet Moore also pays him to listen to her drone on about how her mom's ghost is younger than her. I look over at the burning woman sitting beside me and go, wait, her mom's younger? I didn't know I was at age of Adelaine. <laughs> the bur- <laughs> Tom, that's a callback. I thought you liked those. It's essentially a call concurrent. Yeah, exactly. Not a, it's just a call. Call current. It's what I was thinking about while I was watching this movie, even though I hadn't seen it. The Burning Woman's all. No, she's a ghost. Dude, you wrote all this. I'm all. What little girl? Juliet Moore goes to a restaurant so she could talk on the phone to her dead mom. She's all. Yeah, mom. Hey, it's me. I gotta go. Carrie Fisher just passed through a doorway. Leah. Hey, I thought you were Mimi Rogers for a second. Did you guys rap? Carrie Fisher's all, yeah, that steel bikini didn't fit anymore, so I'm, this next one, I'm uh, topless for the whole movie. Now I can help you with the film during the Christmas special. <laughs> Juliet Moore's all, well, enough about you. Did you tell Gary Marshall what I said about his performance in Life After Beth? Yeah, I wasn't too happy. His earlier funnier ones. What? It's a compliment. It's to the past. Anyway, you should tell him to hire me to play my mom. I was born to play her. Speaking of which, I had to fire Anthony Daniels. He said he was going to Whole Foods and cost... Fuck. God damn it! It's okay when I fuck up a bad joke. He said going to Whole Foods in costume to pick up my guava slices and Zima shampoo hurts his joints. So much for artificial intelligence, huh? Fisher's all, I hear ya. So you need a new chore whore? Well, I know tons of professionals, but there's also this chick who's been stalking me on Twitter... And speaking of Cronenberg, she's a dead ringer for that daughter of your masseuse who lit herself and her brother on fire because she said it was their honeymoon. Anyway, he's in rehab. Juliet Moore's all awesome. Send her over. Mia Murawski goes to Juliet Moore's dining room for a job interview. Juliet Moore's all. You should know this job's not very glamorous and doesn't pay anything, and my mom's ghost haunts the property. Agatha's all. Wow, it really is like I'm working for Carrie Fisher, huh? Juliet Moore's all. Now, maybe if it's not too interesting, you could tell me just a little about how you got those horrible burns. Oh, from a fire? Ew. 
Well, as I mentioned, most of your tasks will consist of picking up pills for me and dodging plates and tableware from my tantrums. I also fart a lot. They're not worth as much as Justin Bieber's poo, but I just quit gluten, so we'll see how the markets do. Are you writing all this down? Oh, yeah. I'm also a little depressed today, even for me, so if you could maybe pick up a feel-good movie to artificially inflate my spirits, either Foxcatcher, but just the ending, or Saving Private Ryan, but just the beginning in the graveyard. Oh, and I need Ativan and Ambien, but not Anison. Ugh. What a misnomer. Oh, and some dolphin-safe mylar sleeves for my cucumber slices. Oh, and some gardeners. I had to fire my last ones for not ogling me. Agatha's all. Hang on, I found my notepad. Okay, just uncapping my pen. Shopping list. You want Justin Bieber's poo and what else? Meanwhile, in a conference room at Sony, a bunch of guys, <laughs> a bunch of guys in suits watch as Bieber finishes peeing all over the table and sits down. He's all, there's your fucking drug test, bitches. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'm going to go to the restroom to sign my contract. He storms out. One of the suits is all, so who's next? A chick with a clipboard's all, Brett Ratner and Mila Kunis. Everybody groans. One guy douses himself with gasoline. Juliet Moore's on her patio practicing shutting her eyes. Inside her phone rings. She lets it go to voicemail. Hey, honey, it's me. I think I'm your agent. Look, I heard they gave your part to Jodie Foster. Kind of ironic, huh? Anyway, I didn't want you to hear it from me, so don't listen to this. I love me. Bye. Agatha. God, I'm depressed. Here, I need you to help me move all these potted plants into the swimming pool. It's my contribution to the drought. Um, Ms. Moore, I think we're in somebody else's yard. Agatha, please, I didn't hire you to lecture me. I already have my mom's ghost for that. See, here, it helps if you wiggle the pots like this, see? Ms. Moore, you're choking me. That night, after Juliet Moore's mom ghost cock-blocks her threesome, in order to relax, she drives to a parking spot in Century City that has a limo in front of it. Robert Pattinson gets out. He's wearing pointy ears, a Starfleet uniform, and a bunch of red war stripes on his face. Juliet Moore's all, Oh, hey, you look awesome, dude. Exactly how I've always imagined aliens would look. He's all, huh? What are you talking about? Jodie Foster emerges from the hot air balloon store. She's all, is that Juliet? Wow, hey, sorry I beat you out to play your own mom. That must feel humiliating. But I'll talk to Crony, see if I can get you cast as your great-grandmother. You don't even need to wear makeup. Do you have trouble remembering dialogue? Stupid Academy actually thought you were acting in that Alice movie. <laughs> Although they do tend to be generous with performers they know aren't too much longer for this world. Juliet Moore pulls a can of bug spray out of her purse and goes, Don't move, there's a baby on your leg. Oh, that's just ballast here. Little fucker's been hassling me all day at enrollment swim class. Say hi to Juliet Ballast. Hi. Aw, good boy. To the limo driver. Why, you? that's it. In the car. Now. And when we get home, you're going to stay in the backyard unsupervised while you think about what you've done. Come on, Pattinson. It was nice meeting you, other red-haired lady. Loved your hairdo and shortcuts. Meanwhile, Bieber comes into his trailer. Agatha pops headfirst out of his syringe drawer and goes, Marry me, you're fire. <laughs> He's all, fuck, sis. For a second there, I thought you were a figment of my imagination. Do you have any idea how it feels to know I might be imaginative? She's all, okay, look, I know you're still pissed about me poisoning you, Zach Galifianakis style, and then getting marriage and arson mixed up. But I'm here to put that behind us and see if you're still interested. Huh? No, I was interested before. Now get lost. I've got lackeys to depress. Well, I'm just glad we worked stuff out. Here's a poem I'm telling people Robert Frost wrote about you. I see your name written every time I write it, and sometimes on the front page of the Inquirer next to pictures of trashed hotel rooms and impregnated miners. There is no I in liberty. 
that night when Bieber gets back home, some ghost kids are in his pool, but he tricks them by asking them to leave. Then he goes to his friend's dog shooting party, but the dog gets bored. I look over at the burning woman and go, wait, so Juliet Moore's mom was in a black and white movie and the douchey kid was in a totally unrelated movie series, but they're both being haunted by ghosts at the same time? She's all, yeah, because they're both on the same pills and have the same Cusack. I'm all, oh, Cusack's in this? Agatha comes into a bathroom to find Julianne Moore sitting on her toilet, farting with the door open. Agatha's all, oh, sorry, you're in the middle of something. I'll come back. No, whoa, hey, where you going, baby? Don't be shy. This is the American dream you're living. Every girl wishes they were you right now. <clears throat> oh, God. Something stinks. Is that you? Are you writing all this down? Now, where was I? Oh, yeah. So how's your sex life? Oh, I'm having sex with this slow driver, Pattinson. He says it helps him feel more like an alien. Oh, he's playing an alien in a movie? No. Where'd you get that? He writes, though. His specialty's bad checks. Shouldn't you wait for the poo to stop before you stand and pull your panties up? Christ, Agatha. He's like my mother. John Cusack enters a hotel room with a girl wearing gloves in it. He's all, okay, look, Agatha, I need you to stop scaring Justin Bieber and also to leave town forever. Don't come by the house. Here's some change. She's all, uh, sir, I'm just the maid here. Who's Agatha? He's all, uh, wrong room, sorry. He drives home. When he comes inside, the maid's there talking to his wife. She's all, I could explain. He's all, no, I told you not to come by the house and some other stuff. She's all, but I'm a different maid. But he's already slung her out to the porch, dingus. Luckily for him, she brought a car to drive away in. Justin Bieber's all, thank God my family life's back to normal. The red-haired kid in the line behind him's all, ha-ha, Bieber's talking to himself in line. <laughs> Bieber's all, your face is talking. Hey, you can't just cut ahead of me because I'm stammering. This is America. The red kid's all, too late. Guess I believe otherwise. Bieber storms into the bathroom after him. The red kid's taking a leak, which is also red. <laughs> oh, I'm such an idiot. Fever's all, all right, listen, you little Ron Weasley afterbirth. I only care about one person and me. Speaking of which, it stinks in here. The red kid's all, yeah, I think Juliet Moore was in here ahead of us. Fever's all, don't try to sweet talk me. Who's the star of this picture? The red kid's all, Rob Schneider. Fever's all, well, yeah, right. Okay, well, who's in this bathroom right now talking to you? The red kid's all, hey, look, I'm the girl from the hospital. I'm taunting you. Oh. Bieber's all, wow, and to think I was going to strangle him anyway. Meanwhile, back in Julianne Moore's living room, what the fuck, Agatha? First you get me laid by Robert Pattinson, and now you're menstruating on my chiffon divan right before I was getting ready to fart on it? You know what? This isn't working out. When I saw your terrible burns and opera gloves, I thought to myself, there's someone I can entrust with menial labor. But for once, I guess I shouldn't have listened to myself. What the? Don't bring me with Gandalf's two towers step. It was divorce present. Great. Now you're getting even more blood on the couch. Oh, well, at least I'll be away from mom's ghost or with it forever. One of those. I look over at the inside out baboon sitting next to me and go, I think redheads do tend to get statistically murdered a lot. That night, Cusack drives a car with a phone in it. He's all, hey, honey, it's me. Good news. It's probably going to give our son the death penalty. I guess good's the wrong word. Anyway, I figure I'll just go on Oprah again and do a couple card tricks. Should be there in a few. Hope you're wearing something hot poolside when I get home. 
He drives past a jacuzzi where Agatha is sitting with Bieber. She's holding a lit match in one hand and a bottle of pills in the other. She's all, so which one you want to do first? He's all, I guess the pills. Wait, the fire. Fuck, I don't know. Man, I can't believe I used to think this was a bad idea. I guess it shows we all mature as we get older. They look over as their mom catches fire and Cusack shovels her into the pool. Bieber's all, hi, mom. Hey, Agatha, read that poem from Upstream Color again. She's all the whole thing. Uh, something, something, Liberty. Bieber leans back in a Cronenberg's aerial crane shot and goes, yeah, that's the stuff. A Hollywood reporter headlines all swimming pools still occasionally haunted. The end. Uh, my favorite. Well, one of my one of the highlights of that synopsis was uh, the Ted Levine cameo with Ted Levine playing Carrie Fisher. <laughs> that's <laughs> I had to study a lot of film to get that just right. Yeah, that was good work. I like that. Yeah. Really I can't wait to see that movie after a performance in this. It's just so. Oh. Did that, that for two hours and lasers? I actually had what no else? idea that was actually Carrie Fisher for a while. <laughs> Even though she set up in the first seed. Right. She goes, right. Oh, yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Like, I thought right. that was just. Yes. And then when they're talking, she's talking to someone named Carrie, and it was only later. I don't even – it might have been even after the scene. I was like, oh, wait, that was Carrie Fisher. Yeah. It's not only Carrie Fisher, but Carrie Fisher basically gets her murdered because she gives her an unstable – she recommends someone for a job that winds up murdering her. Yeah. So was Carrie Fisher planning that all along? And if so, why did she take so long? Or just don't take advice from Carrie Fisher about getting help. You know, yeah, why did she trust Carrie voice. Fisher? Yeah. No, not to. We've learned the folly. All right, I'm eager to talk about this because I, I, I'll be, I, I'm really curious what you what you guys thought of this thing. Uh, I'm going to go last. Uh, thing is, why don't you go first? What did you think of uh, Maps to the Stars? I absolutely hated it. <laughs> go on. Um, I think it's. Jeez, I think it's a. I, I, I understand that. Um, that it's listed as a satirical piece, and I understand what the word satirical means, and I understand how that could apply to this, but I just think it's, it's, God, it's just so much amateur night, and it's just so, so tedious to me. I just, I really, really hated this movie. Kelly Wand, what did you think of Maps to the Stars? I absolutely loved it, although I can see where Dingus is coming from, but I kind of liked it on a meet the feebles level where you kind of like it's not that fun while you're watching it. But afterwards, you kind of like, all right, meet the feebles was in the like a, that exists. And I, I got through to the end of it. I uh, explain the meet the feebles comparison. I think a lot of people don't maybe don't know what that is. That's that early it's Peter, Peter Jackson, Jackson thing with all puppets. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, but they have sex in it, and they shit, and they do all kinds of. Uh, it's like a very, it's like an NC seventeen movie, but with giant puppets, like mm-hmm. man, like Disneyland sized puppets. And most people, people would see Meet the Feebles and think this is junk, but some people would watch it and sort of appreciate uh, certain aspects of it, like that. That's right. kind of the comparison you're, you're making. Yeah, and it's Peter Jack. It's like a Peter Jackson movie. It's like the one. T- it's like a really experimental thing that'll never happen again, and so it should be tr- treasured on that level, and so. This is a Cronenberg movie, to me, is an interesting part of the jigsaw of Cronenberg. I didn't see Cosmopolis, and I didn't see um, Dangerous Method, um, which I'm, I should probably have watched before I talked about this movie. But I think I like, I definitely, there's a lot of, I don't know, I think I liked it for sentimental reasons, because it's kind of like a goodbye to L.A. for me movie. Mm-hmm. You kind of miss it. And there are a lot of good lines in it, I thought. There's just a lot of mean, acidic, 
I just think horrible people are usually dramatically interesting, and on a, the junkies are tedious thing definitely applies to this movie. But um, they're not tedious in a coma; they're like tedious in a proactive sense, like constantly self-destructing and trying to. I don't know. That's that's interesting to me. And you you don't know Bruce Wagner's name because I would think you of all people might might know who it he rings. Is. A be- is he the guy who wrote Ghost and um, Jacob's Ladder? No. Um, no. Okay. So Bruce Wagner is. Uh, so this is a Bruce Wagner. I, I think it was a, a script he's been working on for a while, and he wanted to get Cronenberg to direct it. It, it fell apart at one point, and I think he wrote it as a novel. Oh, you know what? I could be thinking of something else. But at any rate. Uh, this is uh, Bruce Wagner is a guy who did in the '90s a miniseries on ABC called Wild Palms, um, oh. which has a lot in common with, with Maps to the Stars. Uh, he's also done. He, he's a, he's a novelist. He also did this really weird TV show called White Dwarf about a planet that's like half the planet is in daytime, half is in nighttime. It's a, there's a word for that. Like uh, it's not geosynchronous, but it's a Tidally locked, is that what it's called? But at any rate... Mercury like that. uh, The idea is that half of this planet is light, half is dark, and he, you know, one half is medieval castles, and the other is, uh, like, uh, (laughs) stagecoaches, and um, it's a really goofy science fiction thing that was on TV with Paul Winfield. That makes no sense. Yeah. Uh, He also... um, Stagecoaches aren't day-based. Well, there were, I think they were a metaphor. You know, you look at it that way, Kelly Wand. I it's, mean, it, it was it was some weird high concept gobbledygook sci-fi, uh, and and Wild Palms. Like, if you if you remember Wild Palms, Wild Palms was like the worst of '90s television. Um, I remember I was supposed to be. I remember it being billed as Twin Peaks 2.0. Exactly. I never, right. I never wound up gotten. I never got to see it, and I always thought, oh, maybe I'll, I missed something great. It, uh, it's absurd. I mean, it got canceled goes, instantly. Well, no, it was a miniseries. It was only six episodes, uh, uh, and they they all ran and. You know, there there's so crazy? many things wrong with it. It was uh, Jim, Jim Belushi as a leading man. Um, just all this ridiculous stuff about uh, cyberspace. It, it, like, there's even a William Gibson cameo where he <sighs> basically shows up, says, "I'm William Gibson. I'm the guy who came up with the term cyberspace." Bye. You know, like that's it. He shows up on screen <laughs> and does that. This um, is usually where you make me, you're making it sound good. You make me want to see. Well, Wild Palms also had all this stuff about um, like the, these family dynamics. Like, like Wild Palms is clearly. Maps to the Stars, he's clearly still playing with some of the same stuff in Wild Palms. Wild Palms is all about Los Angeles and and, and, and the entertainment industry. Um, and, and, you know, it had its own version of Ghosts in it. Um, it was ridiculous. It was just a, it was a mess. Um, so Bruce Wagner, I think, uh, is responsible. Like, in a way, I think of this almost more uh, as a Bruce Wagner movie than a David Cronenberg movie. Um yeah, it could have been others besides Cronenberg. Like I wouldn't have guessed. Well, it like doesn't if like, like hadn't told me it's Cronenberg. Yeah, and Cronenberg definitely. And he's never like, yeah, he's never tried to do anything like this before. Like, um, right. I mean, Cronenberg has signature stuff, and I don't think you really see any of that here. You don't see much of it at any rate. Um, he's never tried to be funny, except parts of The Fly, maybe. Well, I mean, there's a kind of a black humor that he's sort of comfortable with. You're, and you're right, Kelly Wan. Like, his early stuff, and that's one of the problems I had with that Rape Slug movie that you made me watch. Like, his early stuff is so yeah. earnest. Um, I love that one. But, so I so just to, to uh, so we all know where we stand, I really like this. But I freely concede it's kind of awful. 
Um, I, there was one, in a weird way, I mean, tell me if either of you thought this, because I thought afterwards, maybe I'm, I was being dumb, but like, it made me kind of rethink Child 44 a little, because like, that's a movie about sort of the decadence of the East, and this is like the, the Child 44 version of democracy and capitalism in a weird way. Like, this is the misery of the other side. Oh, oh, I see. Like you're talking about like the disease of the West, like the the the, the, the communists right. were always sort of talking about the West being diseased and they're responsible for things like child murder and uh, yeah. Well, that, yeah, that we, I think uh, is what you know. That's what Bruce Wagner. That's one of his themes is this idea that the entertainment industry and prosperity and and Hollywood itself uh, that there there's this morally bankrupt underpinning that that absolutely corrupts everyone who touches it. Um, which I see evidence of constantly, and I definitely have met people like this. Like, whether, I'm not saying they're the norm necessarily, but well, let's talk. So, Dingus, you say this movie is billed as, as satire. Now, is that like the Wikipedia uh, entry, or like where, where did you get? Because I'm not sure, and I, I'm maybe a little iffy on exactly what it's supposed to mean. But I, this didn't occur to me as satire that much. Like, I, explain a little bit more about that, Dingus. Like, is this self-built satire, or do you think it was satire? Well, I, I, it is, you know, when I look at trying to give adjectives for what the movie's about, I do look at IMDb, I look at Wikipedia, and then I try to figure out well, what do I really think this movie is. Um, I was just so turned off by this movie in so many ways that it was really difficult for me, and this is why I, you know, and I don't mean to be lazy about this, this is why I appended the word whatever to the end of my little mini sort of synopsis thing because I, I don't I just I, I could not stand this movie and I mean in the end I'm going to be happy to sit back and listen to you guys talk about what you liked about it so much because there I, I just could I couldn't stand it but but yeah it is it is uh, the word uh, the word that was appended by Wikipedia to talk about satire and so I, I think that does kind of work if, if if somebody like me who didn't like it is going to be generous to the movie, because you're, you're talking about you know holding up all the, these these ideas of this particular part of society and this particular industry, if you will, um, to ridicule and uh, sort of the whole like let's make fun of people in 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 the in the service of trying to make something better in the end. Um, and maybe that's what Cronenberg is trying to do. Maybe that was, that's what Wagner is trying to do. I don't know. But I think you can see it um, because it is, for me, watching it and just seeing so much stuff that I thought, this is just so amateurish that can't really be on purpose. This has to be on purpose. Right. I mean, the, the, these scenes are so poorly filmed. The, there, there are a couple of mistakes where you're just like, oh, my God, that – they really left that in that you have to realize you have to kind of concede Cronenberg is, is a professional a filmmaker that he's not I mean he's not going to let that kind of thing go by um, but it just didn't work for me at all even 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 trying to concede or or say or or give it the compliment of saying well maybe he's just going for satire I, I get what you're saying and I would I would I would agree with you but I would characterize it differently um because when I think of satire, uh, I think more of, of, of a self-awareness, and I think this movie lacks the kind of self-awareness that good satire has. I would describe it as uh, maybe awkward gothic. Like if it's <laughs> trying to be gothic, it's trying to be <clears throat> this gothic story about a, a corrupted family with these exaggerated, grotesque characters uh, who meet these grisly ends, um, and it's just being clumsy about it. 
Um, yeah. So yeah, so so I think satire is almost giving it too much credit in a way, uh, and then instead it's this gothic, it's this sloppy gothic tale that uh, is just a little too exaggerated. And you're right, Dingus, about uh, like a lot of the problems I had with it had to do with how Cronenberg shot it and edited it. I mean, it's so yeah. just flatly presentational with all of these. Just, just, just one shots shuffled together and quickly edited, and and really cheap looking sets and locations. I think that was deliberate. I really do. Well, that, I think well, that's was... that's where I'm being generous because I think that most of the scenes feel like you could you could have shot this with one actor ten days ago, and then we're going to shoot the next thing with another actor, and yeah, every entrance yeah. feels like, oh, you're in the room now. Right. We are going to start the scene. I mean, yeah. it's almost comical. And I, I do think that that's I, – I mean, it made me wonder, did it have uh, uh, an abbreviated shooting schedule or something? Uh, that's were there satir- issues? Um, I guess you could say that, but it, why would it satirize – I mean, if it was satirizing, say, bad TV or something, but this kid's supposedly in a big-budget uh, movie. You know, Julianne Moore, this this uh, Stolen Waters thing is supposed to be an art movie. Um, it really did – go ahead. I just think it's bad people, like in a bad world. Like it's the flat, artificial world where everything lasts. Over well, you know what, though? I mean, even – and as much as I hate to say this because I love this movie, but even The Fly has – I just don't think Cronenberg can – is always – like some of his stuff is super stylized and uh, and, and weird, but – but Cronenberg has a very flat directorial style, I think, um, a lot of times. I- but it's never – this is totally directed in a different style from Eastern Promises. And well, that's that's a good point, yeah. Um, it's I, don't, not I, don't, I don't even think this movie has any style to it. I mean, I, I mean what Tom just said about flat is absolutely right. And well, I mean one of the things I love about End of Violence is that it has this great oh, flat – history. Oh, history of violence. Sorry, history of violence. Thank you. Um, has this great flatness to it, but it, it still feels so vibrant yeah. and real. Yeah. Um, and – and, and that might be partly due to the casting. I mean, I know Viggo Mortensen was supposed to do this movie and then had, like, scheduling difficulties and couldn't do it. He was? I didn't know that. Um, and then John Cusack jumped in. Um, but He was the Cusack character? Viggo Mortensen? I, I think he was supposed to be in this movie. Uh, huh. But He would only, yeah. But it was it's so weird to think of those opening scenes of History of Violence and how weirdly flat they are. And Tom, I love that you used that word because they – that do, it does have that quality to it. When the guy's walking into the motel and walking back out, I mean, it, it's not stylized or crazy violence uh, or comic book violence since it's you know based on a graphic novel. But this just feels it. It just feels like all second unit work. It's just so yeah, weird. It could of, be a TV soap opera. I mean, right. for, for the kind of production values you see. And Kelly Wand, you're, you're you're sort of saying maybe that's intentional and maybe it is. Yes. Um, but it's certainly conspicuous. I think we all agree there. And yet, Tom, you say you love this movie, and no, no, I said really liked. So I really liked it. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, so yeah. So to just explain, that, I love. Um, what, what I really liked, I, what I really liked about it was what it was trying to do, and I don't think it was always successful. Um, but as much as I thought Wild Palms was a mess, as much as I think uh, Bruce Wagner is a bit of a goofball, uh, I really like this script a lot, um, and I really like the cast a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's an example where, you know, I think if this had been given to a director who did have more of a sense of style, who wasn't so awkward with it, uh, 
this would have been this amazingly dark Hollywood gothic movie. Uh, as it was, it was just a really good script and a really good cast sort of left adrift in this flat presentational style. Uh, and what I liked about it is you, you know, it, it's uh, I like how it unfolds. Uh, I like how it resolves. Um, I like how how reprehensible all the characters were and how I hated yeah. all of them. And, you know, early on, as Mia Wasikowska's character is, is coming into town and you're you're meeting all the, the cast and, and wondering what kind of movie is this, I wanted nothing more, and this was actually the thought that was going in my head, for her to just burn down the entire town. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and that's kind of what happens. Right. Uh, and and that's, you know, it's, it's a story about this wronged victim uh, who comes back like she, she's kind of an avenging angel, and she comes back and she destroys uh, in almost like this Greek tragic style. She destroys her family and, in a way, the, the city around her. Uh, and, and it's interesting, too. She even says, you know, she's talking about she wants to write a script ab- about incest that is, is really mythological. And that's kind of, I think, what the movie is trying to do. Um so, and Julianne Moore, she does the full Kazal. She does what's like the full she does, Kazal. Well, like like Kate Blanchett and uh, John Kazal, like he never he made oh like, John Kazal, right, right, like the actor you're saying. Yeah, like his Fredo, like you never. Yeah, you never see him like winking. Like he really just dissolves into that character. He's not try and so like, fearless in this. I mean, I, yeah. I love her. It's but the I mean, opposite of a vanity piece. She just yeah. full just plunges into it. And like jokes that she could have said in a funnier way. I, I think she chooses not to because she doesn't want to give that character less a, a less vapid worldview. Like I just thought it was really consistently. She's just a ghastly person. So, so Dingus, do you uh, like at least appreciating the performances, or were you even were you just so alienated by it that even the, what the, the actors were doing didn't work for you? No, I mean I I agree with what you're saying about Julianne Moore and about uh, Mia Wasikowska as well. I mean I really and even Robert Pattinson. Um, it, it, I'm a little bit I don't know. I'm, I was so taken with him in in the Rover. I mean, honestly, he was one of my favorite performances from last year. If if somebody would have been brave enough to nominate him for an Academy Award last year, I would have been so happy. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's doing some of those same things here, just in the way he's sort of using himself. Uh, but I I really liked him. He's so understated way. too. I mean, there's yeah. nothing. Everybody else is kind of being exaggerated, and he's just. Uh, he, he's just, he has a, he's a douchey part, but he actually comes off better than anyone right. else in the movie. Right. Well, I think part. I of don't which, even think he's a douchey part. I mean, I think he's. I really, well, I really liked him in this. I mean, I really like him, right. but I. Uh, but it might just be because I loved him so much in the Rover. Well, do, I don't know. Uh, pathetic. Like he's kind. Of, you know, he's yeah, a limo driver yeah. who wants to make it big as an actor, and he's got working on a script. I mean, yeah, I don't know, but I, I, I get what you're what you're saying, though, Kelly Wand. Yeah. Um, uh, so, Dingus, it sounds, though, like that's kind of where you draw the line. Like, what did you think of... Uh, no, I loved John- Olivia John- Williams. I think uh-huh. Olivia Williams is awesome. I don't really understand some of the things that she has to do, like crying in the bathtub stuff. I mean, She's a tough I, just, I just didn't have a lot of patience for a lot of the characters in this movie because I just, I just think this idea of l- let me do an expose on Hollywood and, and make this, you know, sort of community theater version for me of... Uh, of the player crossed with Chinatown, it just didn't, it didn't do, it didn't do it for me because I just didn't care for the writing the way you did. Um, so, uh, it's, it's not that I thought that the, that the, um, 
the actors weren't any good in it. It's just that I had no real patience for this for this script mm-hmm. in the way that you did. So it's not really fair for me, but to 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 uh, to denigrate any of their performances because I did think Julianne Moore was great in it. But I was also I'd also once once we got into that bathroom scene, I remembered hearing some news story about how brave this was, how brave no Hollywood actress would ever do this, and she's just sitting on a toilet and farting a couple of times. And Julianne Moore, though? Yeah, I mean, but once we get into that scene, I'm thinking there's something unbelievable that's going to happen, and she farts a couple times and wipes her butt and gets up. I mean, it's not that – I mean, at this point in our in our, in our uh, in our arc of where we are in movies, that's not that brave, but – I mean, the other things that you're talking about, Tom, are absolutely right. She is – I mean, it's not – it's a non-winking, brave performance. But oh, when, well. once we get into the – the the yeah, once we get into her sitting on the toilet, I'm just like, all right, whatever. Well, I think the bravery is more – I mean, that's just kind of grotesque. But I think the bravery is more uh, just how, how completely washed up she looks, the fact that she's willing yeah. to look her age, that I presume a lot of these scenes had – she didn't have any makeup on um, – you know how She's, how 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 desperate and whiny like she does this whiny baby doll voice the whole yeah. time. I mean, it, it's just so unflattering. Um, right. But I don't think that this is something new for her. I mean, no, no, no. Right. She's right. never been afraid of doing that kind right. of thing. I mean, it's kind of her trademark at, in a way. Almost. Look at blindness or even some of the stuff that she does in Magnolia. I mean, safe. Like way back when on safe. Oh yeah, yeah Mag- Magnolia good, as well. Yeah. And, and I haven't. I don't think any of us have seen Still Alice, but um, right. No. Yeah. Um, but she has that line too about P.T. Anderson resurrecting careers. You don't oh, in, in the movie, right, right. Yeah, is, it, yeah. is that really about Paul Thomas Anderson? Yeah, it was. A, oh, that's hilarious. That was, I didn't catch that. Well, it's, that a, was it's the a Scientology name. joke, and then the and then she says he's no P.T. Anderson, and then they move on to the next director and say, right, right, right. oh, he he resurrects actresses' right. careers. Yeah, I didn't like the Scientology joke because it was like I'm gonna think it just well, seemed a little. Thing, there's a whole the whole thing has a Scientology arc to it. Well, there's, I just remember the line, I'm thinking of changing to Scientology as a career move, and that line seemed a little pre It's just a joke. It's just a well, it's thing. also, I think, one of Bruce Wagner's hang-ups. I mean, because all of Wild Palms is basically about Scientology. Like, that's, oh, uh, it's that's sort of an exaggerated back. view of Scientology. Because uh, that's not a good career move now. Wasn't John Cusack supposed to be the uh, Scientology guru, basically? I thought he was. Right. A, he had his own, like, in, <laughs> he was like a rival for it. Or an independent contractor. Yeah, it was some kind of unspecified self-help scam. Definitely herbal massage. Um, right. There's a million different versions. Uh, and I did like like some of the. I mean, some of it was again. I, I would characterize this as clumsy gothic, but but some of the dialogue really uh, stuck with me. Like some of the lines, um, even like. They made me an offer my mother couldn't refuse. Like that that's yeah. that's like Dingus, you sort of compared this to the players, this sort of uh hey, look how bad Hollywood is. And that that's that kind of line, but it's a nice snappy little line. I like that. Uh yeah, you know what hell is, a world without narcotics. Um Well here's what you don't have huh? to worry about me starting any more fires that put my pilot light out. <laughs> uh that was one of those one of those lines where I might I give like, that one oh Dingus. my god, are you really gonna say that? But I love what. How about uh, how about uh, uh, please no film noir questions. Oh, jeez, that scene, uh, that fucking uh, scene. Good God, oh my God. Tom, stop! You're supposed to be on my side. No, no, I like that. I like that. Oh, uh, that scene was so fucking da- bad. Oh, I hated that scene so much. The scene where he basically t- gives her money and tells her to leave town. 
where he he, like, he lays down to ten thousand dollars right. and he does that yeah. that line about the, the no no oh, oh god I hated that. That's where you can make a bad just never come back here. It's so uh, great. Yeah, yeah, exactly, like, exactly, Kelly Wan, like that line right there. I mean, it's, yeah, that's a great line. Yeah. And the way he says it, and he's also photographed really unflatteringly too. He has well, like a I, really. I would say, well, he's always. Did Julian Moore, John Cusack, and Olivia Williams, all of them, just look all they all yeah. look so drained and washed they all look up. Like the movie. <laughs> yeah, like I, I love that. I love when actors do that. I mean, yeah. John Cusack is—he's uh, been doing some really weird career choices lately, and I would count this among them. But um, I, I just—I I love seeing these these actors who I really like just being completely uh, ugly and, and and horrible and reprehensible. And yeah, well, that's the that's new costumers. I mean, that's—I mean, I think Tom Cruise and uh, oh, geez, what's their name? And Night and Day kind of ushered that in by saying, yeah, we're just going to let you show us how old we are. We don't care anymore. Um, well. they, you know, <laughs> they kind of went back after that, but I think more and more actors of their age are, are saying, okay, we have to do this. Let's do this. And John Let's Cusack has been looking kind of puffy for a while, and he's fine with it. And I agree with Tom. He's, he's made some interesting characters. I haven't seen one of the weird like driving movies that Tom saw, but um, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm fine with him in this. It's just I couldn't stand that scene. It was just, ugh, bad. I hated the writing in that scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, how about, how about uh, I have the flu, I need cigarettes? That was great. That was funny, actually. Uh, shit happens. It happens a lot earlier than it used to. That, did you guys like that one? Were so, the kids at the... Go ahead, Kelly One. Go ahead. When the kid's at the table mm-hmm. and just being... He's just saying all these snarky, horrible things to the suits, and they're like, all right. And then he, afterwards, he throws up, like, I can't believe they put me through that humiliation, even though he was just sitting there snarking off the whole time. But to him, that was not – that gave him an upset stomach to the point – like, I thought he was throwing up because he was in – he was having, you know, withdrawals or something. But it was no, just no, like – it was – yeah, it was like that tense form. His rage at having to endure sitting through a meeting. So that kid's name is Evan Bird. Uh, what did you guys think of him? He's very convincing. Things did he uh, did he stand out for you or did he bother you or because it's a very exaggerated part, um, you know it, it's it's certainly uh, you know it, it might it, like, that can't have been easy to cast right. It's uh, like the Baba Duke; they're trying to get the kid to play someone horrible. Oh, kind of, kind of a good comparison. Oh, there. actually, yeah, that's not bad. That's not a bad idea, I, I guess. So then you have to pitch that to the parents, like, okay, your son's going to be playing the biggest asshole, and we I think just, he looks perfect for the part. For some reason, I just kept thinking of Anton Yelchin. Um, sure, I, I just didn't, I didn't, I didn't care for him. But it's, it's, I, I would, you know, as Kelly Wan often does, I would more blame the writing that I didn't like than blame him because I think that a lot of what he has to do is unforgiving. I mean, he just has to be a total douche. I, um, I really liked though how he softened up with with Mia Wasikowska though. Like I liked how. Yeah. There was a contrast between how he was with her and how he was in the rest of the movie. Um, you mean yeah. when when he just uh, immediately goes, "Okay, so do you want a breakfast burrito?" Well, when when she like the the way he doesn't like obviously he's got these feelings for his sister. I mean, she knows him like no one else does, and he had a relationship with her, and I think that came through where he's a total dick to everyone, and some of that kind of washes away in his scenes with her. Um, she's there from at the end, so it's set up. Yeah. yeah. But what do you mean by Anton Yelchin? He's got a sort of Anton Yelchin. Like, imagine Anton Yelchin at that age. No, I, I don't know. I, I, I remember Anton Yelchin first. I remember, I think, first seeing him in this television show called Huff. 
Um, and I really liked him in that. Um, I didn't like him so much in this, this, this show he did, or this movie he did later called Charlie something or other, um, where it seemed like he was playing sort of a low rent Rushmore kind of a character. Um, but it wasn't his fault. It just wasn't a very good movie. But I remember really liking him in this show called Huff. And I could kind of imagine Anton Yelchin, uh, carrying, carrying this kind of part. I don't know this kid. He's fine. Um, he just Anton Yelchin doesn't do it for me really. Anton Yelchin doesn't have a naturally douchey face that you want to punch, though. And this kid needed to be douchey. Yeah, I, I guess that's why you kept bringing up uh, Justin Bieber. So I guess that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, how about the scene with the uh, the gun and the the dog and the other kids? Oh uh, God, really? I mean, I it's I saw it coming. I mean, it was so weird. You just see well, the shot of the dog by itself, right? Yeah. I mean, I set it up like it's definitely like a terrible thing is going to happen. And, um, yeah, I, I thought that was a really effective scene. Like I was cringing yeah. at that and even like, oh, God, like I was even doing the thing with my hand in front of my face and, and stuff. Uh, it wasn't quite like, like, for instance, that in the hands of a, of a better director, like the scene in, in Boogie Nights with the firecrackers and stuff where, you know, something terrible is going to happen and it's winding up. And well, you're hoping one of the people's going to get shot. And then you're well, once, once the dog gets shot, yes, but it's kind of a funny inversion of what Hollywood usually does, is which lets the pets always live, or uh, right, right. let the dog always lives. live, and dog usually, usually the some some one of the one of the girls would just get shot and they'd like throw her body in the backyard, but instead the dog gets killed, um, which I think is is a funny Hollywood inversion of that or inversion of what Hollywood usually does with the dog. But what I hated about the scene was the way it was constructed and the way it ended, which was this guy just like grabbing his bleeding dog and going, get out, get out, get the fuck out. Really? If somebody shot my dog, I would take them fucking apart. And this guy's just like, get out, go ahead, leave. I hate that so much, but I, you know, I, I, that's why, you know, these are little moments where I think, okay, I guess it's supposed to be satire. But they still kill the kid, I guess. I mean, he then goes on to strangle the little red. Oh, actually, I guess they they make a point of pointing no, no. out that the redheaded kid yeah. does not die. Yeah, the boy the boy's going to be fine. And I think it would have been. I mean, I thought, oh man, he murdered that kid. Oh, no, the boy's going to be fine. Right. And and so oh. her that whole Olivia Williams things with with like he, they're going to actually send him to jail, which which is so great and biting if that kid actually got murdered. But if we know that he lived, uh, well, all right. But her lines are so funny. Her lines are actually funny. Like, they're going to put him in jail? Well, yeah, and then, you know, they're thinking of recasting the part, and she thinks they're talking about the redheaded kid. Like, that was hilarious. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, And I would have been, so again, I I think, like, the way that gun scene was shot, it could have been better. Uh, I don't know what the hell Cronenberg was thinking with the the CG of Olivia Williams' self-immolation. I love that. I oh god! I, mean, I love that there was no setup for it. John Cusack just comes tall, but he's like, right. "What? Wait, what?" And again, that's, yeah. I would characterize that as awkward gothic. Yeah, like uh, yeah. That's, that was just because uh, yeah, that's, that's the family. The well, I guess it is an arson family, but it's not related at all to Julianne Moore's mob character. There's no parallel there, is it? Oh, because of the, uh, her dying in the fire. Yeah, right, right. There were some weird – like I, I wondered why is Julianne Moore's character even in this movie in a way? Like, Oh, what about when the kid dies and they go – she's prancing and dancing going, we're fire and he's water. And she's really stoked she got the part. 
Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, see, yeah. Um, Come on, Dingus. Fire and water. Elemental, mythological. Yeah. Ding, see? Dingus doesn't have any part of it. Dingus doesn't believe in shamans. Uh, I want to hear, hear more why you, what you guys loved about this movie, honestly. Well, the thing I just mentioned that I, did, I really loved, I loved dancing over a little kid's death. And then, and not even that, but like fire over fire and water. Like her mom burned to death, and that's she's turned that into part of her victory dance. That's such a weird. There's so many reasons why that's weird, and it's right after she, her breakdown where she's going to move plants for no reason. <laughs> it's a great movie. That Damn, was bo- weird too. Yeah, that just like a random. It's like a Sisyphus. Sisyphian? 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 I never know how to say that. I never know how to say that. That was this little Sisyphus touch. Let's drag these heavy... You drag these heavy potted plants over there. Uh, It was Sisyphian and solipsistic. (laughs) (laughs) Same time. Uh, So so the thing is, that's what it comes down to for me. I, I, I love gothic stories, and this is clearly trying to do that. I really liked the cast. Um... Almost without exception. Like I liked, I liked Evan Bird a lot. Uh, the, the the little kid actor. Um, I love evil characters. I think they're fun to watch. And I I, I love endings like that. Like yeah. Uh, and and but it is this story about you know it it begins with you know this is the the fruit of this incestuous relationship uh, between uh, John Cusack and Olivia Williams, um, and it's you know it's this. It's, it's like a Greek tragedy, you know. In a way, it reminds me uh, a far better version of this kind of story uh, would be before the devil knows you're dead. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Good. Oh wow. And that—that's where we have an accomplished director, a great script, and it, it's shot well. The cast is amazing. This just had this weird weak link with whatever David Cronenberg was doing with how he shot and edited this. I don't understand why the movie looks the way it does. I mean, I, I don't understand. Like, there's this moment. I, I, I mean, there's so many amateur moments. The, the one that that stood out for me, where I had actually had to look again, where is where John Cusack throws her to the carpet, karate chops her belly, then says, "You're getting out of here," and he, he like picks her up to throw her over his right. shoulder, and then the cut is to a wider shot, and he's still picking her up. I mean, it's I mean that's a simple editing thing. I mean, he's already picked her up. Don't show us picking her up again. It's just it's hammy thing is it's like a scene where you the movie the production has a really elaborate explosion and they want to show it to you from different angles watch him pick up this girl again dingus you might have missed something and then he See? just sort of, and then His he arms sort of her struggles arm. to get her out the door in a different way because he's already picked her up and I, I watched it and i went he already picked her up what are you doing why did you keep this edit it was so weird right she had a different expression a little bit, too. That's a good point. You also, I am so glad to see, because I, Mia Vazikowska has been either underused or miscast a lot, and uh, I, it was just so nice to see her driving a movie and, and driving it ably, I thought. Um, I really liked what she was doing in this. And it's a movie that, like, okay, me and Tom like it, but like, even, I don't, I don't think either Tom or I would recommend it to a lot of people we right, know, because right. we know they would like it. So it's like, they all went into this knowing that, like that was deliberate too. Like it takes some stones to like make a movie that you know no one's going to like. But and they all think, got, I think it takes some stones to say, and I, and I actually appreciate this about both of you, um, saying, uh, I really like this movie. 
I don't think it's very good, or I think there's a lot wrong with oh, it. Oh, I think it's good. Yeah, there is stuff wrong with it. Um, but I know how it made me feel, and I felt satisfied at the end. Right, let's talk some over-unders to also get a, a little sense for like what kind of context we put it in. Um, so I'll go first, because I actually spent a fair amount of time with this this week. Um, so because I liked it, and, and it's an uneven movie, not for everyone, uh, a lot of people – and I. Uh, so this has already been mentioned, so I, I don't intend to scoop either of you. Um, but I think a lot of people would put this in the same category as The Player, uh, as far as a movie about Hollywood. Um, but as far as movies about Hollywood, which is clearly what this is, uh, I think it's taking a, a different kind of tack. And I want to compare it to two other movies, uh, both of which I also really like. Uh, one of which I think is better than um, Maps to the Stars, one of which I think is a little worse. Uh, but both of which I also recommend. Uh, my over is a, a 1975 movie directed by John Schlesinger based on one of the four stories that Nathaniel West wrote back in 19 in the 30s before he died. Uh, there's a, there's a, a story called Day of the Locust. Um, mm. And Nathaniel West was a novelist who moved to Los Angeles. He became a screenwriter. Uh, he had a very frustrated career. And then he died in a car wreck in 1940. Uh, he'd only been here a few years, uh, and he never had any notoriety. Like he, he, he was, he was on. No one knew who he was when he died. It was only later that people discovered these four novels that he's written. Um, so, Day of the Locust is—I uh, don't know if it's autobiographical, but it's about a, a, a young guy making it in Hollywood in Hollywood in the 30s, uh, and it's about the degeneracy of Hollywood. Uh, and in Day of the Locust. Um, that the actual character is, a, is an artist, not a writer, and he works as a production designer on, on a studio. Uh, and and the, the, the story ends with this uh, frenzied premiere at Man's Chinese Theater that erupts into a riot. Um, and it has this, this, this huge apocalypse at the ending of it. So uh, John Schlesinger shot this movie, uh, and it came out in 1975, and it was right after he had done Midnight Cowboy. Uh, and it's the same guy who wrote Midnight Cowboy for him, a guy named Waldo Salt, who adapted uh, Day of the Locust. Um, huh. And Kelly Wan, do you know Day of the Locust? Uh, I know Day of the Mantis. No, that's not what this is. So the locusts are strictly metaphors here. Um, I see. So but, uh, it, it stars William Atherton uh, and Karen Black. Uh, Billy Barty has a great part in it. Um there's a lot of like you'll see a lot of character actors in it, but it's it's very much 70s movie making. Um, and it's a remake. It's it's an adaptation of a of a of a. It's really a novella. I don't even know if it's a full novel. It's uh, of a 1939 story that Nathaniel West wrote. Hmm. Uh, oh, and Donald Sutherland, by the way, is in it. Donald Sutherland plays oh. this this borderline, uh, this simplistic man who uh, what what causes the riot. Is he stomps to death a uh, a young child actor? Uh, <laughs> enormously grotesque. Uh, and by the way, the young child actor, uh, he's supposed to be a girl with like blonde curly hair who's who's running around singing songs and just being a pest. Um, played by Jackie Earl Haley. Whoa! It's amazing seeing that. That's pre Bad News Bears. Whoa! Uh, right about when well, was Bad News Bears? So this is shot. Yeah, this is, yeah, yeah. So pre Bad News Bears. Yeah. Wait, wait. He stomps her to death. Yep. 
Because <laughs> she's singing too much. Um, he basically has a breakdown, and she is in the wrong place at the wrong time. And he is play. then torn, literally torn apart by a, a frenzied crowd. That part I get. Um, okay. Huh. So uh, I, I think Day of the Locust is is uh, is an amazing movie. Like it, it's I I would I would rate it as perhaps the best movie about Hollywood if you have a cynical view of Hollywood. Uh, it's a little bit long. It's very much seventies filmmaking, um, but uh, some great performances and the the ride at the end, the way it's staged, the, what what Schlesinger does, you know, all the weird tricks he used in Midnight Cowboy. I think it used a marvelous effect in, in Day of the Locust. Uh, so Day of the Locust, that kind of gothic view of Hollywood, I would put above Maps to the Stars. Uh, slightly. Wait, below. when he stops the when he uh-huh. stops the girl, does he go? I'm walking here. Hmm. That's good. That's good, Kelly Wan. But no, that does not happen. I'm afraid. Okay, back to what you're saying. No. Sorry. Uh, slightly below uh, Maps to the Stars, <laughs> uh, and not quite as gothic, but it's kind of attempting it. Um, and he's, he's got a very tentative hand because I think it's the first movie he directed. Uh, but Clark Gregg, who everybody knows as Agent Coulson, uh, released a movie. I think it's from two years ago called Trust Me, and he plays a former child star, or not even who. Uh, who is now an agent to child actors, um, and he, he, he's you know he's washed up. He's a sort of a pathetic character, and he, he stumbles across a, a young girl who's moved to Hollywood, who has a lot of raw talent, and he wants her to be his client. And he's trying to get her into this um, this big uh, this big budget movie, trying to jumpstart her career. Um, so uh, not not quite as good as Maps to the Stars, not anywhere near as grotesque. Um, but another one of those movies about how Hollywood corrupts. Um, so that would be my under. Oh, I've never heard of either of these. I know they're both. I mean, I've heard of, of Day of the Locust, but yeah, they're they're both kind of obscure these days. I think. Um, and trust me, is that great? Like... But uh, yeah. trust me, has one of those cool scenes, and these are always difficult to do. Like when you have a movie where where somebody's supposed to be super talented, uh, but they don't really know it, uh, and you have to show that the person is super talented. Normally, what you do is you get other characters in the movie to say, "Hey, that person's super talented, and, and I should yeah, know." Look at them go. Right, exactly. Uh, or like, um, oh, I watched Wonder Boys recently, and uh, in Wonder Boys, Tobey Maguire <laughs> is supposed to be super talented, and so they they can read a little snippet of his novel, but for the most part, you have to take Michael Douglas's word for it that yes, Tobey Maguire as a writer, super talented, um, and trust me. The, the young actress who you're supposed to believe is a really good actor, uh, they do a really cool scene where she's, you know, she's she's reading for an audition, and you're like, wow, she is really good. Um, and it reminded me of uh, which of the Fanning sisters is in Super Eight? Is it uh, L? I believe it's, it's not Dakota. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so uh, L Fanning has that great scene in Super Eight where she's. Uh, She's reading the dopey dialogue from the zombie movie for the kid who's in love with her. And you're like, wow, she's really good. Uh, there's one of those kinds of scenes in Trust Me that I really like. There's a part in I'll Do Anything, that Nick Nolte movie, mm-hmm. where the bratty kid's all, get out of my way. And then like a stage person's all, boy, you're rude. Or why would you say that or something? And she's all, how you want me to say it? Get out of my way. Get out of my way. And then the chick's all, Whoa. And then she becomes super famous based on having said, get out of my way. That's how you know that she's talented, by the variation yeah. she brings to that line. Right. She's just, holy shit. And did it, did, it, did it sell you on it, Kelly Wand? 
Made me wish the songs were still in the movie. Uh, the actress in uh, Trust Me. Um, and by the way, if you like Clark Gregg, and who among us doesn't, I mean... Oh, by the way, so is Which he... one? Clark Gregg, uh, Agent Coulson. In uh, in which X-Files movie? What are you talking about? Oh, did I say X-Men? Avengers. Ugh. I might have accidentally... So he's that agent... stupid movie? He's Agent and in, in, in on uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. But if, oh, wait, if I like... thought... If you like Clark Gregg, and who doesn't, uh, you should see Trust Me. I like him in uh, New Adventures of Old Christine. I don't know what that is. He's her ex-husband? Same actor, yeah. Yeah. All right, so, uh, Dingus, what is your what is your over-under for Max to the Stars? All right, I will leave with my under, because when I'm... I have a hard time bracketing movies when I really, really don't like them. Right. I haven't quite figured out how to do that yet. Um, although I, I, I have to say I really like this process of doing it. So, uh, so I'm going to go with a movie that, um, that a lot of people really, really liked, uh, and I just didn't get. And it's a movie called Bowfinger. Um, oh, good call, Dingus. Wow, nice pull. And so it's, it's Steve Martin directed movie. Um, part of it is that I don't find Eddie Murphy funny or good. In most of the things that I see him in, uh, I like Steve Martin, but he often seems to be like winking at me, and I, that works in L.A. Story. But in Bowfinger, I just don't I don't get that movie. And I watched it a couple times. I know it's supposed to be hilarious, but as far as a take on like the Hollywood scene and whatnot, I would rate it underneath uh, Map to the Stars. Kelly, one, are you going to go to bat to defend Bowfinger? You, you strike me as the kind of guy who would say something like Bowfinger's underrated. In the movie he's making is called Chubby Rain. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's good. And Heather Graham. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah Heather Graham's fine. It's just Eddie Murphy playing this like guy. He's playing two roles. Who's slightly yeah, but marginally mentally retarded, like running across the street and I, I just don't I don't find it funny. I don't find him funny. I just didn't get it. I didn't get the movie. So that's All right, why. so is, what's your over? What's a movie that's better than Maps to the Stars? And and were you just trying to do the same subject matter, the best example of that kind of movie, or were you trying to bracket it? Uh, I was trying to bracket it, but I went way above because I really I love this movie, but it's 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 what I what I tried to do. What I ended up doing is saying what I wish the director had done in tone is what this particular director did in tone with this movie. And it's interesting that you brought up the the name Elle Fanning because she's the star of this movie or one of the two stars and this is the movie Somewhere. Um, and I I just, I love the movie Somewhere so much and I love the idea of this uh, this washed up star or, or a star who's not washed up but unhappy with where he is in life. Uh, and he's he's withdrawn into this hotel and, uh, and he's having to reconnect with his daughter. So it, it's not thematically the same thing but it's in the same general no, area i mean i i would say that maps to the stars is about people reconnecting with their daughter so right yeah <laughs> fair enough yeah but in a yeah uh in a slightly different way to very but, different effect yes, yes yeah to very different effects but i love the way um the city is 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 filmed in this and it, i i love the way these actors connect together and work together and i just like the i i, I just really love the way sophie coppola shoots all of these scenes, I mean, they make sense. It makes sense to me. Her, uh, the, the time she takes, the editing, it makes this movie and the relationships and the way these relationships work, including 
a scene in a pool uh, makes sense to me. I mean, I really love Somewhere so much. So it's a little bit higher than I should go, but I, I mean, where I didn't know where I didn't quite know where else to go to get above Maps of the Stars, so I went with Somewhere. Okay, good. Carry one over and under. Uh, my over's Bowfinger. No, my over's uh, <laughs> Sunset Boulevard because it's got a swimming pool in it and it's about Hollywood. And my under's uh, scenes from them all because I don't want to see it. Huh. All right. Uh, let's see. So uh, that said. <laughs> yes, Tom. Do you have a question for me? Yeah, Kelly Wand. Um, so in, there's a, there's the poem that they read in uh, Maps to the Stars, which I guess is a real poem. I can't imagine somebody actually wrote that for this movie, uh, where it says something like, uh, "On every forehead I see your name written, in every snowfall I see your name written." Uh, I could have sworn, and it wasn't until the movie was almost over, that one of the lines was, "On every handheld app I see your name written." <laughs> Did you guys not hear that? Was that just me? No, I think you, you're probably right about that. Well, no, it's on every hand held out. I see your name written. On every, oh, because of the, the all the tattoo stuff. All right, that makes sense. Oh, but yeah, but I, I really thought it was some modern poem where she was really saying, on every handheld app, I see your name written. I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. cool. There's all these little poetic lines, and then you know they invoke modern technology, and it's some current poem, but... Uh, yeah, well, the one, right. the, the kind of little reveal that I loved was when he's reading that in his room, and he puts down the book, and John Cusack goes into the, in the room, and we're like, oh, that's from John Cusack's book. And then he opens the book, and then the poem is inside of it. Right. It's not reading from the book, after all. Uh, I kind of liked that. So I, I learned a little something about poetry. Kelly Wan, did you learn anything useful from Maps to the Stars? Uh, the upside of burning alive is it helps me last a couple seconds longer. One, two, three, not only you and me, got 180 degrees and I'm caught in between. Uh, one, two, three, need a pun, about liberty? I didn't understand the pun thing. I have to hear it a lot. It's too much. Too much poetry. Too much poetry? Yeah. All right. I dinged it for that. No offense, because... All right, speaking of offense, what is this week's 3x3, Kelly Wand? I, I feel like we've done this one before, too. I'm starting to have doubts about it. It we have feels not. really familiar. We have I've, I've had it uh, in the chamber for some time now, so I was happy that you chose it, but we have not done it before. You were holding this in all this time? I, I pinched it off and waited for you to do it. You were happy about this 3x3, really, Dingus? Yeah, 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 because I, I have three picks that I absolutely love. Oh, good. Okay, because I definitely was uh, – I, I was giving this one about 10% effort. Sorry, Kelly Wand. <laughs> Can we change your humor level to 80%? Wow, an interstellar reference. I didn't That's expect right. that from you. 10%'s number one with a zero on it. But anyway, if I could bring the house down. 20%'s the first loser then? All right, so oh. Kelly Wand, what is this 3x3? Three three? I'm upset you didn't like it because I thought you, of all people, would appreciate it. Whatever. Good point. <laughs> uh, the topic is three best uses of pee in a motion picture. Good lord. All right, well, my number three is MacGruber uh, peeing on oh, Bob's corpse at the end of uh, MacGruber. Hey, right, spoiling Wait, 
Say say that again, Tom. What... Uh, it's MacGruber peeing on Val Kilmer's corpse at the wedding uh, at the end of MacGruber. That's my number two. And by the way, it means I've gotten uh, two consecutive MacGruber uh, references in, in three by threes. And why does he what pee on the corpse? One? Is he putting out a fire? Oh, so no. So oh, I'm sorry. So uh, uh, yeah, some context is important for this. Um, uh, Val Kilmer is the villain throughout MacGruber. And at the end of the movie, Val Kilmer's been defeated. Uh, MacGruber, played by Will Forte, goes on to marry uh, Kristen Wiig. They belong together. Uh, and you think the movie's over. But Val Kilmer, horribly burned, um, emerges and, and tries to kill MacGruber in one last attack. Uh, it fails. Uh, MacGruber prevails and variously kills and shoots and uh, beats up Val Kilmer. And then he throws him off of a cliff. And then he shoots his body with a rocket launcher while uh, Val Kilmer is still falling. Um, you know, it's, it's a lot of overkill. And then finally, he pees down this cliff onto Val Kilmer's corpse. And boom. by the way, there's later, yeah, boom. Uh, and <laughs> later, he actually uh, uh, also uh, defecates on his coffin. Uh, what? Yeah. Where? You don't remember that? Like, there's a, it's just a still. You know, there are all these snapshots from the wedding, like they're the wedding pictures. <laughs> That's so good. And one of them is Will Forte sitting up on the coffin with his pants pulled down and squatting. And the idea, of course, is that he's going uh, to. Where do you do poo as a three by three? Yep. Well, Thanks to you. So, oh, that's uh, funny. I didn't even know that. Thank you, Tom. Yeah, now Dingus. It's like Dingus saw that movie again. Yeah. So, Kelly Wan, why did you pick MacGruber as your number two? Same reasons. Yeah, exactly. One of these days, Dingus, we're going to make you like MacGruber, whether you like yeah. it or not. We're I think gonna... if we sit on either side of him and just repeat the lines for the whole movie. Right. If we, if we, Kelly Wan, if you and I were to do a two-man, uh, like, stage version of MacGruber. Yeah. I sh- I'd be the Val Kilmer. For Dingus. Well, on, on, on consecutive nights, we would swap roles. Wait, do you remember when he gets, he has Val Kilmer, and he's all, I'm going to cut your dick off and feed it to you. And then he pulls his pants down, and, and he's all, where is it? And then yep. Val Kilmer's all, ha-ha, blew up in the explosion. Yeah, exactly. He got burned off. Yeah, ha-ha, you can't, yeah. And that, and that just makes Jokes Gruber him. matter. Yeah, Yeah. then he headbutts him and then throws him off the cliff. So uh, I, I kind of hate to say this, but... MacGruber, so Will Forte is doing what started out as a really promising sitcom on Fox called Last Man on Earth. Oh, yeah, I heard about that. Was it good? It's really falling apart, and it's just getting um, – it's just like hitting the same joke over and over again, and it's losing the charm of the premise, and I'm, I'm really just getting increasingly bored with it, and it's making me like MacGruber less. Ooh, That's not his fault. Okay. It sounds like that caveman show. Remember where they made a show about the caveman from that stupid commercial? Yeah, do you think I watched that? <laughs> well, you're a scientist. I did not see That's how you got here. Yeah. Wait, so... Okay. It, it just, uh, it, it's uh, it's making me less fond of Will Forte's particular humor. Uh, and you're cause... a Nebraska hater, because you didn't understand it, right? Mm, I wouldn't go that far. I'm going to make uh, you like that, too. Okay. I'm going to sit on both sides of you. And wait, wait, no. Our project is to dingus to like MacGruber. What do you care about me not liking Nebraska? Oh, I'm just I'm just feeling ambitious. Okay. All right. Well, we'll, we'll slow down, Kelly Wand. You know? you know what? I think we're making headway on dingus. I, I think he's starting to crack a little. Yeah. Because when you described that scene just now, I could hear him 
making noises that I think were laughter. Yeah, yeah I was making laughter noise, and I was wondering if, if I would like it in my holes, and if I would like Jesus. it in my holes better. I recite you entire plot of MacGruber! Yeah, Bayling doing a. Does that a, help, Dinkus? I'm in Daredevil TV series. Macrobopsis. Yeah. All right, Ed, Dinkus. What is your third favorite scene of 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 urination in a movie? <laughs> All right, one of my favorite uses of pee um, uh, is. Uh, here's a quote from it. What had taken me six hours and twenty seven cups of tea, he accomplished in just a few minutes. Huh. Water method man. That's not a what? Those Water are method man? What is that? Is that, is that a Water is that one of the guys from Wu Tang Clan? Is that, is that a, John, a John Irving novel? Oh, Water right. method man is a John Irving novel. I think so, isn't it? That's, that's so not con- a movie, though. Uh-huh. No, the movie I'm referencing <laughs> is Never Cry Wolf, and uh, the scene I'm talking oh, about. Movie is this awesome scene and this came to me very late in the week. The other two came the other two my first my my numbers one and two right away. I knew exactly what I was gonna choose and I loved those movies. Uh but Never Cry Wolf came to me just the other day and it's the scene where um God I can't even remember his name. What's Charles his name? Martin Smith. Thank you. Martin Cruz Smith. Charles uh, Martin Smith. Sorry, Charles Martin Charles Smith. Nelson Smith. Um where the the wolf has has marked his territorial around the campsite. Oh yeah. And what he does is he decides I'm going to do the same thing. And he drinks 27 cups of tea and he takes 6 hours to go all around the perimeter and marks the territory. It's like 2 acres that he says. It, it, he goes all around campsite um uh lupus base one and he goes all around the campsite marking and marking and marking and marking and then he waits and he waits and he waits and the wolf comes by and he's looking and he's looking and he goes to all of those little places and he marks them the wolf marks them on the other side and this little this little scientist who's sent there to look at caribou notices that the wolf is doing that basically to say all right i'll give you this territory I'm marking the other side. This is my territory. You can have this little area that you peed in. And I just love that. I, I absolutely love that whole what took me 27 cups of tea in six hours thing. And yeah, no, I want to steal Dingus's pick from my number two. Aha, you like the topic now. I like Dingus's pick. Let's see what he does with his other two. Dingus, did you like the part where he eats the mice, too, to fuck with the mice that are watching him? He's not he's fucking like, with the mice. He's trying to see if he can survive the way that the wolves have to survive when they can't get caribou. I mean, that's what's. I mean, he's. I, I, I just love the fact that this movie exists. I love. Yeah. I mean, it's. It's. Who is it? Carol Ballard who directed it. I, I love that that this guy was cast in it, uh, cast to play this part. Um, he's. I think he's perfect in the part. Um, Brian Dennehy is a crazy man. If you watch some of those early scenes, uh, but that's fine. Um, but man, I. I have such warm feelings in my heart for Never Quiet. It's one of the few good movies about an actual scientist. It's like good to watch because they always get screwed over in movies. Well, he gets screwed over in the Except end. I mean, shit. what what he what he ends up what what ends, what ends up happening is kind of a tragedy. I mean, it's well, yeah. I, I think it's just a beautiful movie, and I I love. But that that scene, and this is something that I you know a friend of mine named Aaron and I have always joked about that 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 thing with the wolf like and him going and peeing all around the campsite. So yeah, the, the, this is one of the reasons I love the topic so much, Kelly. Well, my number two is uh, is similar 
but I like your pick better. My number two is the movie Wolf, where uh, Jack Nicholson pees on James Spader's shoes. That's <laughs> oh, a great war part. I love that so one. So is he marking territory as well? Yeah, he says it. Yeah, that's even the line. Yeah. What are you doing? Oh, it is? Really? Yeah. Marking my territory. Oh, I didn't know that. All right. I love that movie, Tom. Am I dumb? I think that's a great movie. <laughs> I love yeah, really? it. Yeah, I like Michelle Pfeiffer in it. I like the I like his, his job. I love that he, he loves being a werewolf. I like his wife, all that shit. It's great. It's Mike Nichols, too, isn't it? Oh, you're right. You know, what are you going to do? But... Hey, did we get Kelly's number three? Uh, oh, wait. Did we? We know we your it. number two. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, so, I'm sorry. I meant to skip your number two. I accidentally skipped your number three pick. Kelly, what's your number three favorite scene of urination in a movie? I like in Vacation when Chevy Chase is eating the sandwich has got dog pee on it because it was the first time in a movie where the joke is that the character somehow doesn't know that they're eating pee or like the heat or no, not the heat, the help. <laughs> Which is the one with Sandra Bullock? Wait, that's both of them. What's the movie about racism? The Help? There's like someone, they, don't they like feed right. the, the mean chick poo, but she doesn't right. know she's eating poo. Right. So Chevy Chase kind of pioneered the, I'm not, I don't know that I'm eating waste material until a character says, oh, the dog peed. Right. And then spit it out. So I thought that was a really cool innovation, um, both nutritionally and literarily. Right, so my number two was Wolf. So now, Dingus, over to you. What's your number two favorite? It's like going twice in Talisman. All right, so my number two favorite one, and this one came to me uh, just after the the first one. I, I knew it was going to be my number one, if you'll excuse me saying number one. Um, and number two is the movie Sexy Beast, and that is when Don oh, <laughs> Dingus. is, is <laughs> in the Spanish villa, and, and it, it, everybody's gone to sleep, and he's ping it he's he's there he's finally decided to take a piss i mean he says early on no we're going to do this we're going to have this drink and then i'm going to go take a piss and then he goes up there and he's standing there and he's he's there and he's got his arms on his uh, on his hips and he's just peeing in the in the toilet and then he just rotates his torso ever so slightly and pees on the floor right in front of that little hamper uh, and you see the the, the pee the urine just pool there on the full on the on the carpet it's on a carpet i mean that's that's specific i love that little detail and reading about this moment uh because i one of my favorite things about this moment and i don't own the movie so i couldn't i couldn't revisit this is the commentary track moment and i've talked about this before it's uh you know ben kingsley's on the car- comment commentary track and at that moment he just goes angry little boy I mean, that's all he says about it. He's just, he, he, he talks about Don as angry little boy. And, and then you read about it, and they were worried about the color of the pee and the number of times he had to pee. He had to do this whole thing where he's, like, squeezing this little bulb to make the pee happen. He had to do it several times, but they were worried, how's the color going to react with this film stock? Because we want it to appear as yellow, but is it going to appear as yellow? But when it splashes there on the carpet, and you see it sort of slightly soaking in, and then... The next moment is him in the mirror talking to himself and saying, you, you said too much about Jackie. Um, you should have shut up. He says it in German. Like you should, I forget what he said, like, stum, stum, you should have shut up, Don. He's talking to himself. But he's just peed on the carpet, just basically to, to mark his territory. He's like, I'm here and I'm taking everything. So fuck all of you. I love that moment. All right. See, Tom, Jonathan Glazer thinks... Urine is an important theme, so I guess you think uh, Jonathan Glazer's not a smart director because you think P's dumb. And what other movies does he think urine is an important theme? <laughs> uh, uh, Under the Skin, 
about birth? With Nicole Kidman. No, there's no P in that one. Oh, Amniotic fluid. Sorry. Uh, Carrie, one. What's your number one favorite? Have I completely borked the numbering? Yet? No, no. Yeah, you have. So, uh, so it was me, number two. Kelly's already done his number two. Now it's your number one, Tom. Yay! Oh, my number one. Oh, okay. So here's one I actually like. Uh, uh, in in the movie Killer Inside Me, uh, Michael Winterbottom movie. It's an adaptation of a Jim Thompson novel uh, about a serial killer. A uh, fellow we really like named John Curran did the adaptation. Uh, the murder of, of Kate uh, uh, Hudson's character. Um, so Casey Affleck is a serial killer, and he gets in various situations where he kills people. And at one point, uh, he's in a relationship with uh, Kate Hudson, who has no clue uh, about his ruthlessness, his past, what he's done. Um, and he has to murder her to set up the murder to frame someone who's trying to uh, blackmail him. Oh, this makes me feel so terrible. Oh. And it's a terrible scene. I mean, it's oh. brutal and inhuman on so many levels. And um, Killer Inside Me is a, is a, is a brutal movie, uh, and it's particularly brutal uh, for how these unsuspecting women get killed a couple of times. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Alba, too. Oh. And what, what's particularly uh, brutal about this scene, there are three specific touches in the the murder of Kate Hudson that uh, lend it a particular inhumanity. Um, the first is before he kills her, and he's in a relationship with her. Like he presumably has some feelings for her, but he has to kill her. He believes uh, to get out of this blackmail situation. Um, before he kills her, he spits in her face for for no reason, mm. uh, and it's just you know she's like, hey, we're get, get dressed, we're gonna leave. Like she has no idea that anything is up, and he leads with that. Uh, so that's the first touch that's brutal. The second touch is – and he kills her by just like punching her to death and later kicking her. Uh. After he's punched her and she's on the floor, uh, she reaches out to touch his boot, and he just casually moves his foot out of the way so that he, she can't reach it. Uh, and, and, uh, and then he lifts her dress up to cover her face. Um, you know, you, you think at the time, why is he uh. doing that? But you presume it's to set up that it was going to be a, a kind of a rape. Um, but then the third touch that's really brutal is after he sits down and waits for the guy who's going to blackmail him to show up so that he can then frame him for the murder, uh, is while she's sprawled on the floor gasping for breath, uh, dying, uh, she wets herself. Yeah. Um, oh. And it's just a, 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 a an incredibly uncomfortable reminder about the frailty of a human being. Um you know, you, you don't tend to see that in in, in movies when somebody uh, dies. Um, and by the way, I didn't remember this. Uh, when the guy who's going to blackmail him comes in and sees her body and realizes what's up, he he runs away, and Casey Affleck gets up to chase after him and, and slips on her urine and falls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Uh, yeah, that's a good so pick. She does, yeah. So it's a plot point, too. Kind of. Well, you know, I also wondered, like, did he intend? Because then when he chases the guy, he very publicly, the guy gets actually shot down by the police. Um, uh, and, you know, he, like, did he intend to murder the guy there in the household? And this was just a fortuitous uh, a situation where then the guy ran out into public and gets shot down by the police. Um, yeah, I don't know. Well, there's evidence that he's losing his intellect in that movie. If well, he's, he's going crazy, right. Right, right. right. The spit in the face thing—it's like, 
He doesn't need that for his story at all, I guess. And then it's just DNA. Okay. I don't remember that at all. You don't remember that, that scene? or I don't remember the... Sp- I kind of don't. Yeah, well, it's really uncomfortable. Out- I mean, the Jessica... God, Alex I'm so did. uncomfortable just hearing you describe it. And, and in a... In a- in a weirdly good way. I mean, it's it's just such a painful thing to rem- to remember. Yeah, it's a, well, it's, yeah, it's a brutal movie. Uh, and the Jessica Alba murder is brutal, but a lot of that is uh, just really grotesque makeup. Um, and this doesn't. There's no there's no like gory makeup. This isn't a gory death, but it's a really explicitly brutal death, but without gore or makeup. Or and it's only like dying with no re- no understanding of why. Like, right, wait, right. what? Yeah. Who? Right. Why did I? Yeah. How was this happening? All right, so Kelly Wan, can you elevate the mood with your number one pick, which is probably from something like Zap? Well, I'm, I'm actually next with my. Oh, Dad, come it. Dingus, can you elevate the room with some more lighthearted pick for urination in movies? Everybody wants bring to go. Mood, I'm actually shocked at the one you did not pick, Tom. But I'll, I'll wait to bring that up until what? after Kelly and after we hear our listeners. Because I am shocked that you didn't pick something that I thought for sure you would pick. Uh, mine is on a downer note, as yours is. And this is the reason that I first thought of the topic a, a couple years ago. Um, and, and I have not done lines for the last, for the sexy beast or for this one. Cause I, I just can't do these accents any justice right now. Um, and it, it would have to be doing, um, it would have to be doing a Michael Fassbender accent and I'm not going to do that. And so this is fish tank. Um, and this is that moment. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, man, Dingus got another good one. In the last part of Fish Tank, when 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 Mia goes... Oh, God, watching this... I watched it again this week. Damn, that movie. If if you listeners have not seen Fish Tank, God damn it, will you please They've seen that? it. They've all seen it by now. They better have. Because when she goes back into the house... And she finds the, the, the video, you know, it's, it's a video camera and she like flips it open to watch. I mean, it's not like watching it on an iPod. She's watching like, first of all, when she walks into the backyard, there are so many little nuances that I missed, no matter how many times we saw a fish tank. When she looks around the yard and sees the yard and sees what his life actually is, goes into his house, works her way into his house, opens that video camera, watches him with his daughter, and then just, and we talked about this, I think, that moment where she just pulls her in her pants and pees on the carpet right there in his living room, in the den or wherever it is. Uh, I just remember that just being so striking, such a striking moment. And then after the first time I saw it writing in my notes, and I looked back at the notes from the first time I saw this movie going, did she just pee on their carpet? Is that what just happened? And then watching it again and then realizing what she's going through and and her reaction, that that reaction of seeing all of those things of this life that 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 he that not only could could have been hers couldn't have been hers because it just wasn't part of her world but how he totally wrecked her world as well um, and then her just bending down there on the carpet and peeing there I mean it's just oh my god I I don't I don't completely know what that means but that moment I think is one just of the best it. moments. Oh uh, yeah, it's it's defiling, it's marking territory, it's it's all those different things. And this movie from 2009 directed by Andrea Arnold. Man, god, that's what made me think the first time, man, we should talk about peeing in movies, but I never I was never able to pull the trigger. So, I'm glad you did, Kelly One, because I I've been See, wanting to talk about this fish tank moment for a long time. You can't pee when you're up. 
I don't know what that means either. Kelly, what's your number one pick for this topic? I was thinking about the MacGruber one again, and something else that's good about what you said is like that they have Val Kilmer's coffin at the wedding. Right. Like they've already ordered it, even though they didn't know he was going to come. Yep. I almost that's, went with that's the joke, Kelly Wand. You got it. Well, making sure if we explain it, we might convert dingus like ah, right. by osmosis. That's a comedy term you're probably not familiar with. But um, what was the question? Oh, I almost went with uh, you're gonna die up there. But to me, the best pee in a movie is Wait, at the beginning. Your, you, you're gonna die up there. What did you just say? What is that's the name of a movie? You don't know what I'm talking about. It's an Exorcist reference. Oh, oh! You, normally, when you pick a movie, you say the name of the movie. I didn't because I didn't pick that one. I see. Wait, I open with the name of the movie, or I describe the scene, and then you have to guess which one it is. I thought you were talking about a movie called "You're Gonna Die Up There," which yeah, I, I did too. I thought you were saying <laughs> the one I didn't pick was "You're Gonna Die Up There," and the one I did pick is. Oh, I thought okay, so it'd be like oh. It'd be something like the movie May the Force Be With You. But So what is your actual number one pick? It's the beginning of Waterworld when Costner pees and then he goes through that giant distillery on his raft. Yeah, yeah, that's actually a good one. Yeah, and I was like, not only is that the best use of pee in a movie, but I'm totally invested in this character and this ecology now. Like, If the the whole movie is this good, it's going to be one of the best science fiction movies ever, and then the rest of the movie happened. But I still think it's a great opening. You know, Kelly Wan, that's uh, very fortuitous you mentioned that, because Waterworld inspired next week's 3x3. Uh, How crazy is that? But we don't... We don't get to know what that is yet because we have listener no, submissions. No, we're still we have listener submissions and runners up. Uh, and by the way, so the thing is, does the one you thought I was going to pick involve peeing on a carpet also? Nope. Oh. Wow. Okay. Because there is a famous peeing on a carpet, which is cute, but I don't think it's. I mean. Yeah, I, I don't think it's. Uh, yeah, I, I know what you're talking about, but no, no, I I totally thought. Uh, I'll tell you in a minute. All right. I, I imagine we'll hear the peeing on the carpet one that you and I are thinking of from the listeners. So, Kelly yeah. Wan, what, what do the listeners have? Or, or do they? Did this interest any of the listeners? This time? Yeah, they're fascinated by pee. All right. Fred Bow writes, Fred <laughs> and Lynn are back. <laughs> it's like the uh, audacity. Um, never mind. Fred Bow, Fred Linderback, the three oddly beautiful examples we came up with of the Big Lebowski scene. Yep. That's what I've seen. Hi, Fred and Lynn. Where have you guys been? Welcome hey, guys. Back. Was Welcome that... back. Yeah. Wait, is that the one Diggis thought you were going to? No, but that's, no, no. that is sort of a famous, uh, I think when a lot of people think of peeing and specifically peeing on carpets, that's what uh, it comes to mind. Although it's a rug. It's peeing on a rug, not a carpet. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It really ties. It ties the whole room together. Exactly. And the whole bladder. Number three, the upset over Red P and Cujo. Red uh-huh. Raspberry Zingers. Yep. You guys don't know? Yeah. Yep. No, I don't know. It's from the breakfast cereal that they're... That, uh, I know, but oh. in the book, it's, it. it's them barfing. It's kids, like, like, like a kid barfing. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. And it looks like he's just barfing up blood. Did they change and... it to pee in the movie? I don't remember I don't that. Fred Leonard is saying the upset over Red P. So maybe on a newscast, which would have been last week's topic, there's, they go, well, there's a Red P issue in right. food. And what does all that stuff have to do with uh, being trapped in a pinto by a Red German Shepherd? His dad has to go deal with it, so that's why he's out of town. Yeah. So the he's, mom and the kid are he's a marketing up. specialist, and right. 
he works for this company that puts out this cereal. No, I know. I get that. But what does that have to do with uh, being trapped in a pinno by a rabid German shepherd with a diabetic kid? Like what? what? Bernard. Yeah. No, just Stephen King. Cut, get cut to the chase. To quit putting all this boring stuff in your stupid books. It's a metaphor. Uh, he says he doesn't remember writing that book because he was on drugs. Really. Well, that explains it. Yeah. Fair enough. But that's when he was better. But it is All funny that I do remember that from Cujo, and it has nothing to do with the dog and then the diabetic kid and D. Wallace and yeah. So. And remember, there's a Frank Dodd connection in the book. Uh, I do not. I don't even know who Frank Dodd is. In the Dead Zone, see, I looped back to Cronenberg. Boom. Jeez. Oh, Stephen King does that, like he does that sort of self-referential stuff to his own. Well, it's birth? Castle Rock. It's his, like his town where all the shit. Oh goes. yeah, okay. And then he went, all right, I'm never writing about Castle Rock again. And then he just writes about other places that are pretty much the same city, right. like Derry. All right, so Fred and Lynn pitch Cujo. Good. Number two, the interminable urination of Detective Frank Drebin. Remember that, where he's uh, oh, a his microphone, sure, yeah, naked gun. The chief has to the press corps. I like that in that scene, everyone's really quiet listening to it. Like the media is like. So Big Lebowski was just a toss off. That wasn't one of their choices. There's just so many. Tossing off's the wrong. Number one, the final scene of your sister's sister. P with import. Sure. Yeah. 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 Okay. And Tom, I'm I'm really beginning to realize there's just P in so many movies. Like you're. You really are. If by hating this topic, you've closed your mind to most cinema. Okay. Grant Stewart writes: Are you guys not getting the new Avengers movie this week? I'm going to see it in London tomorrow, 24th April. Whatever, nerd. I mean, uh, anyway, three best wee wee scenes are as follows: Number three, Green Mile. Tom Hanks struggles with some sort of urinary <laughs> disorder. Yeah, Wait, right. is this another? Key- Thing, until he's given a magical filing. Oh, right, right, by a large prison. Mate. Yeah, he had a urinary tract problem. He could, the, for the whole movie, is he can't pee. Grant Stewart thinks it's gonorrhea. Mm, I don't think so. Number two, the paper boy. Zach Efron gets stung by jellyfish, and when a crowd gathers, Nicole Kidman is adamant it's her that's going to pee on him to relieve the sting. I didn't know what to expect when I watched this movie, but I definitely got something from left field. Uh, yeah, Ben Stiller gets jellyfish. He, the girl has, wants to pee on him. And uh, was it Malin Ackerman in uh, Heartbreak Kid? Tom, did you ever see that? Farley Brothers? Did not. Number one, Calvary. Brendan Gleeson plays a priest who's told by one of his congregation during confession that he'll murder him in seven days. Some very good film noir with a smudge of extremely black humor follows as Brendan Gleeson tries to help the people of the town write their course spiritually, even though he knows who it was that threatened to kill him. We as the audience do not. I didn't see this movie, Tom. It was your number three or something, or number nine. Junior number nine, the last year, right? Mm-hmm. I loved it. Yeah. Uh, during a meeting with a drunken, deliberately wasteful banker, Dylan Moran takes a work of art off his own wall and pees on it to try and antagonize the priest. I actually don't like Dylan Moran's performance, but I love the rest of this movie. I've been trying to get it three by three. As this was probably my top five movies of last year. Toodles. I'm just jealous about Avengers. Yes. Um. Jamie Cabrera writes, uh, I had a really hard time ranking these because I like them all for different reasons. Number three, We Were Soldiers. Oh, I never saw that. That's the Mel Gibson one, right? Couldn't find a quote for this one, but there's a scene where Hal Moore asks why the mortars aren't firing. He's told they've run out of water to cool the launchers, so he tells everyone to pee on them. Strange Brew. Oh, 
I keep trying to work strange brew into things. It took you two minutes, and what would have taken us two hours? If you ever want a job, you come see me. Bob puts out a fire by peeing all the beer he just drank. Dingus, did you see strange brew? Uh, yeah. Number one, the boy could fly. Okay, so now I'm supposed to be scared of a water pistol. There ain't no water in this gun, so what's in it? Piss. Fred Savage trying to take a ride around the block on his trike. Runners up the aviator. I thought about one too. Hard use jars of pee. Austin Powers. Peas. What happens in Vegas? <laughs> you saw what happens in Vegas. <sighs> oh, yeah, this is really happening. Oh, and it's your day for dishes. Ashton Kutcher uses the sink as a urinal, and Cameron Diaz locks him out of the only bathroom. He later removes the toilet seat in the middle of the night, so Cameron Diaz falls in when she gets up to pee in the middle of the night. Love the show. Keep it up. Uh, Paul Weimer writes, Number three, in a league of their own, drunk and hungover Tom Hanks, this is washed-up baseball manager Jimmy Dugan, is introduced to us with a world-record trip to the urinal, helping to establish how dissolute the new manager of the Rockford Peaches is. Number two, in the hangover, the oblivious Zach Galifianakis says, Alan, Zach is in a bathroom, not quite realizing a Siberian tiger's in the bathroom with him. As he turns to face who he's sharing the bathroom with, he improbably continues to relieve himself, this time on the floor. Number one, in Wolf, <laughs> woof. While in the bathroom, Jack Nicholson's Will Randall purposefully misses the urinal, peeing on the shoes of his publishing house rival, James Spader, standing in the stall next door. He punctuates with the classic, I'm just marking my territory. Tom, that line was in the commercials, too. So it was like Jack Nicholson peeing was the... Uh... That's, a, that's a big draw. That'll get butts in seats. Yeah. <laughs> Werewolves and pee? Arthur, Giovanni, and Jelly. I think my list is pretty piss poor, but here goes nothing. Three uh-huh. best uses of pee in movies. Number three, we were soldiers. We were soldiers. I keep wanting to say when we were soldiers, but it's wrong. The military's artillery equipment is overheating, so they the, to cool up the soldiers urinate on it. This works, they're able to continue shelling the enemy. Excellent problem solving and a great use of the resources at hand. See, Dingus, it's uh, the Vietnam's version of bayonets. See? Num- number two, Europa Report. There's a scene, Europa Report. I, is it dumb? I always like, when I, it's like something I don't remember. I try and like remember it. While everyone waits, I don't patient. remember it. Just read what he said. I like no, that's it. Probably, that's good. Yeah. There is a scene in this movie where Charlotte Copley is drinking from a liquid packet and reveals that the crew must drink their own distilled urine. Seems like an excellent use of pee, especially considering the limited space on the ship and the length of the journey they are embarking upon. That's good. I remember him doing that scene, and it, it plays right into your Waterworld theme, so that's great. Yeah. They're both in the future. Sure. Robocop. Number one, when Joe P. Cox is taking a leak, he is surprised by Officer Lewis. I thought you were going to whip that one out, Kelly Wand. <laughs> that's why, the, actually, it's a huge plot point. So because of the P, that's how RoboCop gets made. Because then she gets knocked out, and then they shoot what's-his-name's uh, hands off. So it's all because of P, Tom. P is the Toto of RoboCop. Chris Markardson writes... Hey, guys, I suppose it's a fitting sequel to the Poop 3x3 from the Honeymoon podcast. Can't remember. Number three, and this is the end, Craig Anderson. Wait, it's not Craig Anderson. Craig it is Anderson. now. Is Craig Anderson is doing a video confession 
where he talks about drinking his own pee for the first time and says it isn't all that bad. He then makes a shushing motion and brings a wine glass filled with pee to his lips before it cuts away. Number two in Bronson. Tom, I've never seen Bronson. You should get on that before you see uh, Mad Max Fury Road. In Bronson, after winning a bare-knuckle boxing match against a gypsy, the triumphant Tom Hardy celebrates by peeing on his beaten foe. Number one, why in Pooh Perfect Hell would you pee on a corpse? While peeing, Robert Downey Jr. notices that the dead body he and Val Kilmer found earlier that night has been deposited in his shower. He turns while still peeing and urinates on the dead body. Downey's reaction to the body and his phone call with Val Kilmer are awesome. Thanks, guys. <laughs> his, his face when he's peeing on the corpse. And then he's asking Val Kilmer if they can get like DNA off of it. <laughs> that such a good that's two that's another Val Kilmer P thing. So that's another connection we can draw. But that's an actual funny one. That's great. There are a lot of funny ones. P's funnier than uh, that moment where he pees on the corner and just Robert Downey's face like oh Um <laughs> Listen to Dingus. Look how much joy he's getting out of talking about people. Dingus, you're right. If you think Val Kilmer is funny, you should see him in MacGruber. Kiss, 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 bang, bang is just such a great choice. I love that so much. Val Kilmer has great comedic timing, as you would know if you were to watch MacGruber again. He has great I drink cup, what? Capedic timing. Hmm. Hmm. Well, runners up. All right. So the one I thought – are we done with readers now? Yeah. You didn't oh, see Wiznail and I? No. Because oh. there's, a, there's a really sad scene where Wiznail is uh, like hauled into the police station uh, after he gets pulled over for drunk driving. And it's set it up earlier in the movie that uh, he has this, this device that you keep down your pants with, uh, with fresh pee in it so that when you <laughs> take a pee test uh, – and he thinks he's going to get out of the, the drunk driving wrap – when he goes behind the curtain to pee, and then the cops pull the curtain aside, and he's fumbling around with the thing, and the pee goes everywhere, and it's this really kind of sad, pathetic moment for him, for Wiznall. Oh, yeah, they did an infinite jest, to the novel. But what did you think I was going to pick, Dingus? All right, so what if I – I will say one word, fountain. He more- <laughs> oh, oh, the, the way that they change bodies in the change-up. The change-up, where they're yeah. peeing in the fountain. Uh, change-up. Yeah, for sure you switch bodies, that. yeah. Yeah, they, they cross the streams. <laughs> See, Tom, uh, he's yeah. magical and mystical. So I thought for sure you would pick the change-up. And the strength of a topic is how many different ones there are. So this is a success, Tom, because look all these different. Yeah. So I, have a, I have a question for you guys. Um, I don't know if either of you can help me with this. Uh, when I first made this topic, like, I mean, this is Kelly's topic, but I, I put it in my list of like ideas for three by threes that I have been running for the last few years. And, and I put a uh, fish tank in there immediately because that was, that's what kind of, uh, inspired the topic. And then I put house of the devil there. Why would I have, I can't, and I can't for the life of me remember why. Hmm. Can either of you house help me of with the that? Devil? Yeah, I know. I put I put House of the Devil House under P oh. for some reason. Why would I have done that? Is there a P? Just something theme? you were hoping was. I don't think so. But oh man, I was I hoping it's one, one of the few you... movies where there isn't P. Oh, God, I was hoping one of you would be like, "Oh yeah, well, it's when she's like sitting on the toilet doing blah blah blah." Or Kelly Wand heard some weird like things in the hospital. Emergency hospital equipment. So That's there's nothing. Of... You guys have nothing for me. 
there might be a scene like where she yeah i don't i don't i, don't I remember the pizza tasting gross but it seems weird all right well, maybe i just put it under the wrong topic then because i just i looked at house of the devil and i meant to try to watch it again this week but then i had so many other choices that i liked uh, and, and when it comes to drinking your pee i think I think for grossness, you have to go with 127 day, uh, hours, days, whatever. Or Dumb and Dumber. 127 hours, yeah. What's what? the movie where, uh, I think it's a character actor named Vincent Bugoliosi, or no, Vincent Schiavelli, uh, which, where there, it's the gag about, um, it's like he's talking to med students, and it's something about, uh, you know, if you're, you're, I, you're diagnosing some condition from a patient's urine, and he says, the way you do it, and he dips his finger in the urine, and then he tastes it, and he says, if it tastes so-and-so, and the students are like, oh, that's really gross. But then he reveals that he dips... He's a different finger. Right, exactly. Is that like Fast Times at Richmond High, or what? what is that? No, from? wait. It would have oh, to be Vincent Chiavelli, because Vincent Bugliosi is the guy who wrote Helter Skelter. Oh, 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 yeah, right. The uh, prosecutor. And he makes fun of the guy who does it, like, oh, I was obviously a different finger. Right, what is that from? I want to say that fast times Odin. Now, because who would who would? There's no teacher who's cool in that movie. Vincent Scavelli is in it though, isn't he? Isn't he one of the teachers in Fast Times? Yeah, he's go. Yeah, he's the biology teacher, and he goes. No, so that's totally yeah. It's when he's as a biology teacher in Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Isn't that the scene? Or no, maybe not. No, he takes them to a morgue, and they all pass out. But you know the scene I'm talking about, Kelly. Like you've seen it, but you just can't. Remember I'm not convinced it's him, but I remember that okay. scene happening and like the kid. Wait, and okay, tell me if this happens. Maybe I'm crazy, but like, doesn't the kid go? He somehow tricks. Right, the he's, he's tricking. He say, "Oh no, I think the teacher is teaching. This is how you do it." And then he, the student does it, and the teacher's like, "Ha ha! I fooled you. I dipped this finger in, but I put this one in my mouth." Yeah. That's how I seem to recall this. Okay, and then I thought that then the kid somehow tricks him into that. Does sound correct? Like then there's a further reversal, right? And so it's a pee off, basically. Yeah. Think it's not, what movie? Are I don't we think it's about? Fast Times. I have no idea. He's not going to help us after we failed him so miserably. Yeah. But I think he's thinking of Exorcist, and you're thinking of House Calls. Mm. So other runners up. Another runner-up I have is uh, is the other scene where a, a guy uh, pees on the floor while peeing in the toilet, and that's that's. Do you guys remember the scene from About Schmidt when he finally gets to stand up and pee, and then he pees all over everything? Oh, jeez, wow! <laughs> I don't remember that. So for years in About Schmidt, Jack Nicholson has had to sit down on the toilet because that's what his wife demands him do. Uh, and then, uh, finally, when she dies, he can actually stand up and pee for once. And then he just, like, joyously pees all around the bathroom, all over the dirty laundry and whatnot, uh, because now he can stand up and pee, because he's a man. And there's not a woman there to tell him not to do it. Wait, women don't tell you to pee sitting down. Uh, if she doesn't want you to make a mess and have to clean up, and she's the one cleaning, she does. So I, I think that's what the point of that. Do you guys remember that scene? No. Oh man, yeah, I remember that. So when you were talking about Nebraska earlier, I was just thinking about about Schmidt, about him pain, like, pain peeing, movies. just like happily peeing around the room. Um, the the other ones w- would be uh, there's there's a non pee scene, but it, but urine is like implied, um, which is Breakfast Club. Where he, where Judd Nelson like threatens to start peeing under the table, and 
um, Emilio Estevez says, don't do it. He's like, don't, don't, don't talk. It makes it creep back up. Um, and then that, of course, made me think of Dirty Rotten Scoundrels or, or, or rubriced like piece at the table. Uh, and I'm surprised nobody brought up Hard Boiled, which I know you guys hate because I brought it up for babies, but when the baby pees, I like Hard Boiled. Yeah, but the, at the end, the baby pees to put out the fire, and it's kind of. That's all right. Oh, and the other one is, uh, and, and another Alexander Payne movie is Election, when uh, when Matthew Broderick wakes up outside his house and he gets up in the morning uh, after sleeping in his car all night and he pees outside on the yard. It's just so sad. Uh, all right, that's enough pee. Sorry. Do you guys have any other runners up? None for me. Uh, Kelly Wand. I had American Pie too, where Stifler gets drenched in pee, but thinks it's raining or something. And also Kung Fu Hustle, um, the pee and the kid. And then also, uh, apparently when they were filming Chinatown, uh, Faye Dunaway threw uh, a cup of pee in Roman Polanski's face, uh, which means she had it. She's planning it. <sighs> I guess that's it, Tom. All right. Next week's 3x3. Three three. Uh, so uh, Waterworld opens, as most movies do, with a studio logo. Uh, it's a universal film. Uh, and you, you get the familiar universal logo uh, with the globe and the words universal. And before the movie starts, the, the logo is there, and the water on the globe rises, and it makes the continents disappear, and then we cut to the movie. Uh a few movies have played with studio logos in a similar way, and I want your favorite examples of these. <laughs> Are you taking anything off the table? That's a Waterworld. You just took that off the table. Yeah, yeah, yeah Waterworld. No, there's plenty of them. I think you'll be surprised. Um, like, I do, does that really seem like a rare thing to you, Kelly Wand? Uh, kinda. I and Waterworld's one of the few that I that would first jump to mind. So you took off a biggie, like. I definitely remember that one. Um, I think as you think about it, you you might remember. I'll be surprised. More. Yeah, there's plenty of them. I mean, there's uh, some big ones I can think of, but I think they're going to be on all of ours. So yeah, I just want you to uh, give me your it's favorite a good instance of uh, of gimmicks or tricks or or little clever Easter eggs, whatever done with the studio logo at the opening of a movie. What makes it uh, easy is that we only have to watch uh, like 30 seconds of every movie that we're going to watch this week. Yeah, exactly. If that, yeah, exactly. What about the end and then a question mark comes up? Does the question mark count as a movie studio logo? Uh, if the movie is distributed by the, the, the question mark, the end. Studio. <laughs> yeah. If the movie is distributed by uh? the end yeah. pictures. Right. Uh, so, listeners, we would love to hear your uh, favorite studio logo gimmicks. Send those in to 3 by 3 at quarter to 3.com. The number 3, the letter X, the number 3 at quarter to 3.com. And we would love to read them on the air. Uh, I don't think, is anything coming out next week? What, what no. should we see? Yeah. I don't know. So is there watch. anything on VOD that we can go see? Yeah, we might have to. There's a new DVD. I've heard good things about shit. Chef. Yeah, Chef's been well, out on TV. Chef. Maybe we should do that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Child 44, maybe if we see it again, we'll pick right. up some nuances. Yeah, a repeat viewing. So, yeah, I don't know what we'll do next week. You'll just have to tune in and find out. Uh, but we will definitely uh, do a 3 by 3 about our favorite studio logo gimmicks. So uh, join us for that. Uh, my name is Tom Chick. I have been joined by Christian McClinsky. It's Christian Murawski. And we also had Kelly Wand. I'm sorry.
Dingus, if Frodo had put the ring of power on his penis, would his pee have been invisible or just transparent? Does this joke end in safe sex? Wait, which Cronenberg is that from? <laughs>